Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So PK's down at Pac-12 Media Day, and they run through all the coaches and a couple star players from each team, except he didn't get Arizona coach Jed Fish. Something came up, there was a conflict, they had to hustle him away to do something else, and he was just about to do radio with PK, and he said, but I'll get you. So... We spent the last month trying to book Jed Fish, and we thought we'd get him. PK said, the way he said it, I really believed him. He is going to do this interview. But then it plays out over the days and weeks. We don't get him. You're like, yeah, he's the Arizona coach. What does he care about Salt Lake Radio? And then Yak gets, was it an email or a call, Yak? It was an email. He gets the email. Jed's available. Jed Fish, Arizona football coach, coming up later today in the show. Perfect, because obviously Arizona in the South will play Utah, uh, but they also have the season opener with BYU. So, we'll talk with him. Interesting guy. He's coached all over the country, both coasts, every corner of the country, the whole bit. Finally gets a shot here as a head coach. He's been in the pro ranks. He's been with the Rams. He's been with the Patriots. Um, And he, he went to the same high school as PK's sister. He's a Jersey guy. He's a talker. So, we'll see how this goes with him. Uh, coming up later this morning. Also coming up today, uh, David Locke. Seen some stuff about uh, clubs and their free agent moves getting graded out, and uh, the Jazz getting getting a lot of love. So we will uh, we'll get into that with David Locke. Uh, coming up next, we're going to take a break here. But coming up next, we're going to talk University of Utah football. Frank Dolce, the two deep, came out um, yesterday quarterbacks are set it's brewer all four running backs are listed as or 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 all their names in bold so we'll see how that plays out but uh we'll talk a little you football with frank we'll do that next and then with the cougars we got kaylin hall coming up former byu running back his son jaron is now the starting quarterback so that's what's on tap today we'll get to frank next stay with us Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Frank Dolce. Our Utah Utes insider, former Utah quarterback, joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. PK from the South Bay. Sup? Man, it's great to uh, it's great to catch up with you guys again. It's great it, to be caught up. It is so close <laughs> to the start of football. You are ready. All, all ready. I'm always ready. I was really hopeful that the AAF uh, hashtag full speed ahead was going to just was going to be something because I liked spring football. I liked having Weber State play football in the spring. Um, but I guess we're going to go back to we're going back to normal. So it's just going to happen in the fall again. So when you see Brett McMurphy projecting Utah to the Rose Bowl, yeah, is that a little more than you had in mind for them? You think that's about right? 
it's uh, there's three or four teams, and it's a wild scramble at the top. So Brett could really write anything, any one of those three, four, five teams in there, and you'd be okay with it. What are you thinking when you see that? I think that maybe it says more about the Pac-12 than it does about uh, Utah and where all those teams fit. So Utah certainly has this consistency under Coach Whittingham. And like say, say, it feels like the same thing we've talked about for a long time with Utah. They'll bring, def- they'll bring a defense to start and then maybe try and figure out a little bit of what's happening on the, on the offensive side. And I do like that Coach Ludwig is there for his third year. I think that is enormous on the offensive side. But – a little, I still feel like there's a little uncertainty about how that offense per, will perform. We just don't have the same kind of feeling about, you know, hey, Utah's defense is going to be solid. They replaced some guys. They kept some guys. They're super athletic in the back end, so we're going to be fine on defense. Um, but how are you know how are we going to be on offense? Running back by committee. A very accomplished quarterback, but still breaking in a new quarterback who probably doesn't have the same type of assets around him that he had at his previous stop. An offensive line that's a little bit of a question mark right now. He does have two really good tight ends, so I think that's a big bonus. But question mark on the offensive side. So so back to your point of, yeah, to, I, I believe that this is a Utah team that that could make the Rose Bowl and finally go down to USC and, and win at the Coliseum and and come out with a maybe a one-loss record in Pac-12 play. Um, but it probably says, you know, as much about the Pac-12 as it does about Utah. Really bugs me with this Charlie Brewer. You know, he has all these stats coming over from Baylor, and we've heard so many media folk in their preseason talks about the Utes say, well, you know, they're they're getting a quarterback who hasn't been this accomplished and going into the season, blah, 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 and maybe going into the season. But it's hard for me to imagine that he's going to be better than what my man Tyler Huntley was as a senior because it's just a couple years ago, but it seems like we forget that kid was really, really good and deserved to be in the Heisman conversation. So it's hard for me to imagine that the offense is going to be better than it was in 2019. I don't imagine that. I mean, I'm in, I, I'm, I fully align with your thinking on that. Like, I, I think all of the stats that Brewer brings in, I think the way that he's practiced and the stuff that we see on film, all of that looks really good. And But I just am not willing to, to make a statement about where he fits in the, in the history of Utah quarterbacks um, until we see him, you know, under the lights in a, in a Utah uniform under that scenario with, with Utah's offense running down the field. So... I think that it, there's lots of hope uh, based on what he's done and the, based on the way he's managed everything so far. But um, I would still put the productivity of Huntley. He had that stretch where, you know, he was completing like 75% yeah. of his passes. Right. And, you know, and Utah was rolling down the field. Now, he did have the luxury of, of a guy named Zach Moss who sure. was averaging almost six yards a carry. And that's. I mean, that's the quarterback's best friend is a strong running game, and, and Tyler Huntley certainly had that. But Ludwig was able to to manage him appropriately, and 
So I, I think that's probably the highlight in recent Utah quarterback history. And hope I, I mean, I'm hopeful that Brewer can get to that point. It all the everything that we see about him points to the fact that he could get to that point. But I'm just not willing to say it, say that until we see it. So you're not ready for him to guarantee that he's going to average like 10 yards an attempt and uh, five touchdowns for every pick the way Tyler did? Uh, well, to, to be honest, I mean, that, that's, those are fa- fantastic stats. I like, the, I like the five touchdowns for every pick. That's, mm-hmm. and, and I know that you know, Coach, everybody knows that Coach Whittingham abhors interceptions and turnovers, so that would, that would be probably at the top of his list. I would like to see – I mean – uh, I think that yards per attempt number, yards per completion number, probably is something that could be um, managed a little upward. I think that would be helpful. But if 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 Utah has uh, like they traditionally have had a strong running game and managing the line of scrimmage, then then all you really need is ten yards per per was that per attempt or per completion i'm not sure what it, it says y slash a 10 yards attempt is what i per, took per attempt yeah. yeah 10 yards per attempt so if if all of the other factors are in place then completing 70 plus percent of your passes and 10 yards per attempt is going to be pretty good oh, um, for sure. but we just have to see yeah we'll just have to see if if the running game um develops the way that it has in the past so this running game really intrigues me because I've been in this market now for 28 years, and it's probably not the case, but it seems like they've had 28 1,000-yard rushers because they always run the ball. <laughs> and I'm sure there's been a few that hasn't happened, but I can't remember them, or as I can rename the running backs, roll off the tongue. And, I mean, I think they would have been picked first if the tragedy to the young fella Taylor, Tyler, Tyler. Jordan didn't happen, um, but obviously it did. And so the unusual aspect of the training camp so far has been four guys. And how are they going to find a starter from four guys? Because it seems they keep telling us that, you know, they're all right there. And so if they're all right there, then they're all going to get a shot. I would think maybe not. And how's it going to be that they could go with four guys? Because you look at the tradition of the Utah running back position, it may start out as a competition. Even last year with Ty Jordan started out as a competition, but by the second or third game, there was no longer a competition. It was his job, and it was going to be his job for the next three years until he went off to the NFL. So I'm wondering how they find somebody to emerge, or do you think it's possible to have this rotation? If you have the production that equals a super running back, it doesn't matter, but is it possible to be able to have that when you're juggling guys in and out? Or do they need that one dude, and how are they going to get to that point? Yes, there's lots of, lots of good questions in there. One is I think we have to go back and, and recognize that Utah never has a starting quarterback at the start of a season. Zach Moss wasn't a starting running back. Excuse me, running back. Zach Moss wasn't a starting running back. Devontae Booker wasn't a starting running back. All of those guys had, were in this running back by committee scenario until two, three games in, and then everybody was like, wait. Well, that's the guy. It was an obvious thing. That's the guy. Right, but I'm wondering, and, can it be done out of four? So, it doesn't seem like they had four to choose from in the past. 
I, 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 I mean, I think that the four, the number four is kind of a, hey, we have four guys here competing for the job. Inside the ropes, I'm guessing it's more like, okay. hey, we have these two guys. So it's a little coach. And we have, these other, we, other, we have these other two guys. Yeah. We're pretty good, too. But, you know, we have four guys. Okay. So I, I think that we'll, we'll go into probably two or three, maybe more, three games into the season, and somebody will emerge. You can't have running back by committee with four guys in game scenarios. That just won't work. I've never seen a running back who can be productive with 12 carries a game. I mean, that just, that just doesn't happen. Right, right. So the, the best running backs need 20-plus carries a game. Yeah. And so maybe you could manage, if Utah's running the ball 40 times a game, which is reasonable, maybe you could manage a two-guy rotation. But three, once you get into three and four yeah. guys, unless you're using one as, as you know, the, the guy that just is a little different than everybody else, it just doesn't seem to work. So I could see a two-man rotation, but I think one of those guys is going to emerge two or three games. Well, in. what DJ's going to tell you is, Frank, they've got those two <laughs> cream puff games at the start to figure it out. Yes, yes, yes. Wait. For the big game two. three. <laughs> game three is huge. Two, two. Cream puff games to start. Yeah. Which were which were those? Well, you got we, Weaver we State and BYU. BYU to get ready for the trip to Carson, California, Wait. the legendary Wait. venue and the home of San Diego State temporarily <laughs> while they build a new stadium and they have a mediocre coach. So PK's just actually messing with you. <laughs> the Utes are going to blow San Diego State off the field. He knows I don't like well, I don't like this coaching hire. I think they're going to be a 500 team. Blah, plus, blah, I was blah. disrespecting the Cougars because I knew I was trying to get oh. in good with Frank. Oh, got you. I thought you were disrespecting <laughs> Jay Hill and Weaver State, and I would take offense to that. Okay, a hard first game and then a cream puff second game. <laughs> and then a walk over third game. Jay Hill's my guy. Listen, I hope that Utah goes down to San Diego and, and takes care of business. I remember the days. I hope they go to San Diego, too, because then they'll forfeit because they'll be in the wrong county. Oh, yeah. Well, so I remember when, when we went down to San Diego. We've had rough times. Utah's had rough times with San Diego. Alex Smith got just threw his first interception and got sacked twice in his first three snaps. Welcome <laughs> when home. He, when, yeah, when he was brought back to, to San Diego. Who was who was uh, Mark Dan McGuire? Remember Dan McGuire, yeah. the 6'9 quarterback yeah. at San Diego State? It seemed like he threw for 1,000 yards. When we went down to play wow, that's San a lot. Diego State, that's, that's better that's than Charlie of, Brewer. That's a lot of yards, and and McGuire didn't have the background of, of Brewer, so I mean, big things for Brewer coming up. But but yeah, I mean, I yeah, I hope I hope that Utah can can manage San Diego State. Do, do you remember Ron McBride's walk off interview after they missed a late kick to win what the game and an extra point in overtime? That's, and Frank gave it, didn't he? Was that, that I didn't give the interview. That was uh, probably Sharif. That, that may have been Sharif. Sharif. Shaw on the I think it was though. Sharif. Yeah, that and, was and, the onus of never doing a walk-off interview with Coach McBride again. He didn't get the. K. He stopped short of the. Eighty-five <laughs> percent oh. of the way to a disaster. Wait, oh. I'm live. I can't say that word. He was moments away. He pulled back. Away. <laughs> he did. I remember oh, man, watching him thinking, was... "Oh no, no, no! Don't do that." Yeah. 
<laughs> but very, I mean, it was kind of appropriate at the time. I think we all felt the same way. <laughs> to your point about the running backs, uh, they went into last season and uh, they had four running backs, but one of them got one carry. So they really had three in the opener. And one guy got five carries and one got seven and one got ten. Yeah, and and are do any of those running backs remain? Bernard, who got the one carry for eight yards. Oh, Bernard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, the one other guy. the other three were Ty Jordan, Jordan Wilmore, and Devin Brumfield. Yeah, I wonder how Wilmore and Brumfield are are feeling about things. Oh, the they probably with... see who transferred in and probably think they did the right thing anyway. Maybe, and maybe that's true. Anyway, I think that I think the Utah running back position is uh, there's. I'm optimistic about it. There's no doubt. I don't think they they have the same productivity in the backfield. They they had if if uh, Ty Jordan were still around, but but I, I'm optimistic about that position group, no doubt. Well, I am too because I think that part of the deal when they recruit offensive linemen is they place a heavy emphasis on how good you are at run blocking because that's what they do. And so yeah. they're I don't know who it's going to be. I can't tell you who's going to emerge, but I would be very much surprised if in ten weeks we don't look back and say. Um, player xyz emerged just like they always do whoever it might be yeah yeah i i agree with that i agree with that 100 percent. no no question about it so kyle has talked about uh how talented this team is and seems to have set a high bar here and when you look the last two times uh, they won the division title right in 2018 and 19 they had five guys drafted then seven so so at one point you got like 12 future NFL players on the roster. How many future NFL players do you see on the roster right now? Yeah. Uh, I think I think there you you have uh Keithy on the offensive side. Um he's a he, he's a guy that I think is has that potential. You probably have I, I'd like to see uh, I mean Potential in the defensive backfield, you have that, but I, it's the same thing that we were talking about earlier. You just, it's just potential right now. There's, there's probably two guys on the defensive line that have that, that have that potential. Um, so I, I mean, conservatively, I would say that Utah has three really solid prospects going into the season. Uh, I I kind of I'm on the fence about Britton Covey because I think that in the right scenario he has a shot but but it just he just has to be in the right he has to be in the right situation he's not a universal type of talent uh, so so he has to go to New so, England so he has to go to New England he has to go to I mean I think that New England like Seattle might. Is kind of a, a fit. He doesn't fit with the Raiders, um, you, you know. Maybe, maybe with the Bucks because Tom Brady knows how to use that type of position. Um, if if Tom, who's who's older, Tom Brady or Britton Covey? There I mean, is that go. the running is that the running <laughs> thing right now? Yeah, <laughs> Tom Britton Covey. We were saying the other day, Britton Covey is the only guy who's uh, a preseason All-American in college but has a pension plan already set up at the <laughs> U. <laughs> so, but I, 
I'm excited to see I'm excited to see Covey, man. He looks just as energetic as ever, ready to go. So so maybe so anyway, I think three 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 guys I think that are super solid NFL prospects and I'm on the fence about, about Britton Covey, depending if he gets a shot at the right place. And yeah. and other guys I'm I think will emerge and I'm I'm specifically looking at the defensive backfield because I think there's a lot of talent back there. Yeah, and obviously Devin Lloyd is going to just uh, waltz into the NFL. I mean, that guy screams NFL talent just he's, looking at him. He's he's darn good. Yeah, he really he is, is. darn good. Yeah, he's going to have a massive season. He might be a first-team All-American. That wouldn't surprise me in the AP selection. Uh, yeah. We heard this news this week of this alliance. I don't know what degree you've been following it, but I listened to the whole thing the other day, and I mm-hmm. kept, I. I I didn't put my I put myself on uh, mute so they couldn't hear me, but I'm screaming at the thing as I'm listening because they sent out a a thing that you can a link is what I'm looking forward to be able to do it. So I did it, and I'm screaming at it. What is this? And then a day later, we hear that SC and LSU announce a series to be played or a game to be played in Vegas. And that's outside of this big alliance. I just can't figure out what in the world this alliance is going to do. And specifically, what is what do you think is in the best interest of the Pac-12? Because ultimately, that's what we care about. I, I don't know. I mean, it feels pretty kind of reactionary to me. Like, um, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's really well baked at this point or or I, I don't know even that well thought out at this point it feels like well we have to do something so let's talk about doing this uh, uh, I I don't know I I feel like uh, we're, we're headed down this path we've all talked about it of you know the power five conferences just taking over taking control of college football and this feels like the next step in that happening and kind of leaving, just leaving everybody else to fend for themselves. And so I would say that, um, and this alliance thing is a reactionary move. I would be shocked if they're not in discussions, conversations with the SEC about how all of it, an alliance, the SEC expansion about how all of it works together to keep the power players at the top and then just let everybody else kind of do what they can do to, to maintain college football. Um, what, so, and so for the PAC 12, what's in the best interest of the PAC 12 to survive is just to be kind of to remain attached to all of the other power to the, all the other power five conference is, is that that's in their best interest is to stay attached. I, I'm not, I don't think that, I mean, to say that the PAC 12 is irrelevant is, is harsh, but, but the PAC 12 hasn't really lived up uh, to the other conferences in, in, in lots of ways and in, in lots of ways in football, which is, you know, significantly important. So uh, that, that's my, my thought on it is PAC, PAC 12 kind of on this, the side of be, becoming irrelevant needs to stay attached to whatever's happening with the Power Five conferences to, to guarantee the survival of the conference. 
I think the thing that you want to say out loud is we're not going to let ESPN have this whole expanded postseason. Yeah. We're sending it to bid because CBS, I don't think, I think you were right about the Pac 12 has just been so diminished in football. ESPN will only take games largely. I mean, they're, they'll take the, the Notre Dame game and USC Oregon, but largely they only want to televise Pac 12 games in that last time slot, which means 8.30 kickoffs here. And so they need to yeah. get t- games on the other time. They need to keep CBS, CBS and Fox involved. And CBS and Fox, are they going to stay involved if they don't have a share of the postseason? An expanded, you know, 12 team. Yeah. So yeah. I think that they don't want to say, we're here to outvote the SEC and make sure right. CBS and Fox get playoff games, but they're going to get it. And they're also going to televise our games at times when most of America is still awake. My heavens, doesn't it always boil down to that? Yeah. Like, it, that's just the state yeah. of the union for collegiate athletics football especially it just kind of always boils down to follow the follow the money follow the tv and you'll kind of come up with your answer tv has the money for now but it'll be streaming services soon enough you watch and and those may be you know some of the tv networks may be doing that espn will be for sure uh but it may be somebody else frank we gotta run we will talk to you next week look forward to it man it's great to catch up with you guys looking forward to college football season and and I think we're going, we're talking about doing uh, every Tuesday morning, so that'll be a highlight of my week. There it is. Thank you, Frank. All right, guys. Good to talk to you. There is Frank Dolce. When we come back, Kalen Hall, his son Jared, just won the starting quarterback job. And uh, former BYU running back, and now he'll be cheering for his kid who is the starting quarterback. We'll talk with Kalen next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Welcome in, Kalen Hall, former BYU running back. His son, Jaron Hall, is now BYU's starting quarterback. Kalen joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Kalen, good morning. Good morning. Caleb, before we jump in too deep here into your son and, and current things, I'm just curious, when you played, did you ever have anything negative to say about pretty boy quarterbacks? <laughs> no, no, because I always aspired to be one, so I was jealous. Therefore, I always looked up, up to our quarterbacks. So uh, I love the quarterback position, and we had some great ones when I played. They were all great guys, and so it was easy for me to rally around them. So, no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that jumped out at me uh, when I listened to the coaches and particularly uh, Jalen speak, he's talking about how he'd been there for four years, and this is his fourth year. And I think that we forget that he's been in the program, and and, Aaron Roderick has been there all most of this time, that he's been in the program this long. And it reminds me of what Robbie Bosco told me years ago, that when they had the assembly line of quarterbacks, it was – you come on campus, you probably redshirt, you back up for a couple years, and then you're ready to go. And we know there was a run there when those guys, when they got their chance, they hit the ground running. 
uh, as far as Jalen being in the program this long, how much do you think that he is ready? Because even though he doesn't have a ton of experience, he's been around for a good while. Yeah, Jaron has been in the program. This is his fourth year. Um, it's and, and from my personal opinion, it, it definitely helps because you're familiar with the coaches, you're familiar with the system, you're familiar with uh, your surroundings, and you're just comfortable with all things BYU football. Therefore, uh, you don't have to deal with the stresses of learning a, a system. You only are in the position to where you're applying the processes that you've been put in place for X amount of years, and it makes the whole uh, movement of being the guy a lot easier. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, w- I would have to agree with Robbie. Uh, you know, in, in today's era, you know, everyone's concerned about right now instant gratification, whereas sometimes it's okay to wait. Sometimes yeah. it's okay to sit and watch. Aaron Rodgers had to sit and watch behind uh, Brett Favre for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, he turned out to be a pretty good quarterback. So, <laughs> Kalen Hall joining us. And I'm curious, uh, with Jaron, how much of an advantage is it to have a dad who played high-level football and to get that coaching when they're young? And how much is all of that overblown? How did it work out for you and Jaron as, as he progressed? Uh, you know, I, I think it really depends on, you know, how much uh, information and knowledge that, that player has because not every player is a good coach uh, and sometimes it's not good to coach your sons but uh, I will honestly say that since Jaron was eight years old you know I was his coach and and uh, you know I, I kind of prided myself in knowing a little bit uh, about the game and I also took Jaron to people who were uh, more informed at the position than I was uh, I always thought that you know coming to BYU I came to BYU because it was a pass first offense when I was a power eye back because I always wanted to, uh, you know, I wanted to expand, you know, my skill set. Therefore, when my son was growing up, I noticed very early on that, you know, he had some natural talents and gifts throwing uh, balls in general, started off with a baseball. And uh, I-, I love Peyton Manning. So the first jersey that Jaron wore was number 18, was Peyton Manning's jersey, because I always loved the fact that, you know, Peyton could process and disseminate information quickly. And he, uh, he often gave the ball to multiple receivers you know he dispersed the ball according to who was open and uh, you know he was a quick study and you know I, I, I was very intrigued with that because you know I was I was a cr- analytical thinker and I always thought about the game you know two three plays ahead and I got into coaching because you know I just loved the ins and outs of football so to be a dad who has a little bit of knowledge that has a good relationship with your kid I think is very helpful I mean if you go by it the, the right way So, yeah, I I think there's some pluses and minuses to that equation. So one of the knocks on was a couple years ago is he had the injuries. And I'm of the Aaron Roderick school that he's not injury prone. At least he hasn't shown it because it's not where you're getting hit and a routine play. They were the concussion deal. Uh, What are your thoughts as far as him and the injuries being able to make sure that he's healthy? Because in order to play, obviously, you got to be out on the field. Yeah, I and and I agree with Aaron. I you know there were some some fluke plays that took place. You know some bad luck. Uh, Jaron's played football for an awful lot of years. He's never been injury prone. Uh, but what I will say is this: you know the more information you're able to accumulate, and uh, the more uh, football IQ you you acquire, 
you know, the quicker things are processed, the quicker the ball gets out, the better choices and decisions you make on the field. But you're going to play football. You're going to be instinctive. And so I'm not concerned about that whatsoever. Uh, you know, a lot of people made a lot uh, to do about that because that's the only thing that a lot of folks have to conversate about, right. you know, considering the body of work and the timeline that he's had on the field. So, no, it's, it's a non-issue in my son's eyes. It's a non-issue in the coaching staff's eyes, and it's definitely a non-issue in my eye. I've been there. I've played. I've, I've had concussions uh, in the past. I've had a couple of over 30 years of playing football. You know, it's just a process that unfortunately happens sometimes, but you can't really put yourself into a position where you need to worry about it. So, Kalen Hall joining us, former BYU running back, father of BYU starting quarterback, Jaron Hall. You say that doesn't concern you. Uh, you are a dad, and you do know a lot about football. So what does concern you? Uh, honestly, <laughs> really there's not a lot that concerns me because at the end of the day, things are going to happen the way they're going to happen. Uh, either you put the time in and you put that time and apply it to uh, practical applications of things that are going to help you to be successful. And if you don't put the time in and you don't execute, then you're not going to be successful. So, you know, I, I kind of am a black and white guy when it comes to success or failure because at the end of the day, you can only do so much. Um, and for me, uh, and it's kind of the same thing I told Jaron. I said, I've always had faith and confidence in you because this is a process that we've always talked about since you're eight years old. You know, it's not like we're surprised that you're in the position that you're in. You know, it's the process of allowing things to work out the way ultimately they were supposed to work out. You know, we're a faith-driven family. And if things are supposed to work out the way they have, then, hey, that's what they're supposed to do. And if they're not, then we're going to be okay with whatever comes out of this, this journey that we're on. You know, Jaron's worked extremely hard. Uh, his teammates have worked extremely hard. There's some phenomenal uh, individuals that are in that quarterback room with him. I love those kids. They're all just magnificent young men. But at the end of the day, you can't concern yourselves about worrying about things that are negative. My mindset is always about being positive, about moving forward, about putting your best foot forward, and then being okay at whatever those results may be. So he's a Utah County kid, and obviously you being his father played at BYU. When he was growing up, we hear a lot of these kids who just dream of playing in the stadium and being the quarterback if that's what they should play of their position. Was that your son's situation? Did he dream of being a BYU football player and being the starting quarterback? Absolutely. Uh, First and foremost, it started with his mother and I. You know, we both. Uh, participated in extracurricular activities at BYU. Um, then it went on to his older brother, KJ, who was a phenomenal athlete there. Uh, and it was always from from my knowledge that he always wanted to be at BYU. And it's it's like it's about our, it's about our core principles as 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 uh, people. You know, is the foundation of what BYU is all about. That's who my son is. He is a he is a BYU guy. You know, sometimes you hear, well, this kid is a BYU kid. Jared's always been a BYU kid. You know, and for me personally, you know, uh, it's it's good for some, it's not so good for others. But for Jaron, he's always been a BYU kid. He's always had dreams of playing and participating and going and attending BYU. And that's just something that, you know, was bred in him from a very young age. And he took it and he ran with it. Uh, and so he's the fourth kid that we have now at BYU. You know, my son Dawson is a baseball player. He'll start this fall. And I have a son, Kyson, who's on a mission. He'll be there uh, after he returns playing wide receiver on the football team. So is this something that for Jaron, yeah, he, he's always 
he's always dreamed of being the, the guy, the quarterback, playing in front of 70,000 fans and essentially being a, a instrument in the hands of the institution for a greater good because, you know, he's a very well-rounded young man and he has a higher calling, we believe, and, and uh, you know, we'll just see how that turns out. So given the fact he always dreamed of being quarterback, was it pretty easy to give up baseball, or does he love baseball and that was hard to give up? No, I mean, he, he, I mean he's had a baseball bat in his hand since he was five years old, even before he played football. Uh, he, loved, he loved the sport, um, and he was, you know, was pretty good at it. I mean, some said that possibly he could have gotten drafted, uh, so I hear from several coaches and whatnot. But, you know, it was a difficult choice. But ultimately, you know, he really enjoyed baseball but he absolutely lived for football i mean so you got to follow your passions and that football was his passion it was tough and difficult choice but uh, something that he knew that he needed to do to put himself in the best position that he possibly could be in so yes it was a difficult decision so i think part of the storyline if you're going to be a byu quarterback is you've got to work with John Beck and you've got to drive to Southern California uphill both ways and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that, hey, look, look. How did that go? <laughs> look, I, I don't get into all the melodrama. You know, we don't, you know, we're very simple folks. Uh, at the end of the day, the opportunity came to work out with John. It was an absolute must that we took that opportunity. Uh, Jaron had a phenomenal foundation, uh, Dustin Smith, uh, his his local quarterback coach, uh, you know, he was with Jaron since he was in the seventh grade, and he did a phenomenal job of getting Jaron prepared to a certain point. Now, John is the master technician of quarterback training. You know, there were some things that we absolutely had to go to John for, and John did a magnificent job throughout the summer of working with Jaron, of putting things to a to a point where, you know what? It's a new voice, you know. Maybe some of the things were similar, but he was just getting told them differently. But, man, John did a magnificent job, and he put Jared in a position where, you know what, his mechanics have been honed in. Uh, he, his torque ratio has increased. His velocity and the ball flight off of his hands just started shooting out of his hands. And, I mean, he always had a strong arm, but, man, uh, accuracy has, has been honed in. So, you know what? We took flights back and forth to California. You know, we, we you know, we invested in, 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 in Jaron and, you know, we weren't driving nowhere. I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy, man. I'm not, you know, Jaron, to tell you, I, I didn't go to any of them. Actually, I didn't even go with him. But, you know, his wife went out a couple of times and, and uh, Byron Rex and Isaac Rex were very good to Jaron and he stayed with the Rex family and, and uh, but it was a must, and he's going to continue to do that. He's going to continue to work with John. John's a great guy, you know. He, uh, you know, no promises are ever made. You know, at the end of the day, only thing that you can promise is hard work and, and a process to see if things work out the way you want them to. So, so do you want that to be brought up on every broadcast all year long? Will that make you happy? Nah, 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 <laughs> nah. you know what? Again, you know, at the end of the day, what I want to see after every broadcast, BYU wins the football game. That, that's what I want to see. All that other stuff, you know, just just us, you know, I I don't get into it, you know. And Jaron doesn't get into it. He just wants to work, and he wants to be successful, and he wants the team to win first, and everything else will work out the way it's supposed to. So because he is a phenomenal athlete, that means he can run, too, obviously. And uh, he can also throw. I think uh, we just got – Ralph sent us a text that that you and your son, the only father-son to run – 
uh, uh, KJ was uh, rushing for over a thousand or a hundred yards uh, in a game, mm-hmm. and and so with Jaron having that ability, uh, how much do you think that he's going to be able to use that? Uh, because you know BYU wants to get the ball downfield through the air, but yet Kalen can obviously move on his feet. Yeah. So Jaron has always been a pass first quarterback. Although he's all, you know people have said oh he's a dual threat guy and you know he can run he's an athlete so forth and so on. But look, he like from the time he was eight years old, he's always passed first and ran second, and nothing's going to change. You know, he he will use his legs when he needs to. I mean, make no mistake about it. Um, Jaron, he's he can run now. He can you know defenses get a little too tight. You know they blitz a little too much and they miss and he slips a tackle. You know rather than going ten fifteen, he's gonna take it sixty five seventy. I mean he can run. But at the end of the day, the options are always to distribute the ball to the talent that you have around you. And that's always going to be who he is as a, as a quarterback. He's got to make sure his guys get the ball in positions to where they can be successful, you know, uh, execute the game plan the way it needs to be executed. But bear in mind, if he needs to get up out of there, he's going to have to get up out of there and run. And he has no problem with that. So Peyton Manning was your guy. Was Peyton Manning – his guy, or did he have his own guy? No, you know, he's, you know, honestly, um, his guy has always been Russell Wilson, you know, because of a lot of the similarities uh, that they have. He's always been a fan of, you know, Russell Williams' work ethic, uh, his principles as a faith-driven man, even though he's a uh, mega celebrity, but he's always, you know, kept Christ first in all of his uh, conversations with anyone that's always been like a, a draw for Jaron and the fact that, you know, he's just a lights out uh, all pro quarterback that has overcome some adversities, you know, based on what people have perceived about Russell. And, uh, you know, that that whole um, it, it embodies who Jaron is. You know, he, he looks at Russell and a lot of things he's accomplished and the things he's gone through. And he's like, you know, what? that's a similar track that I've been on in my life. So Russell is his guy. So how are you going to be in the stands? You going to be nervous? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, who's who's to say? You know, I sometimes you're nervous, sometimes you're not. I, you know, my wife will be nervous. Holly will be. But for me, again, I don't know. It's just it's crazy. Like I like I told Jared, I was like, son, I, I I'm not nervous about like the quarterback situation. I'm not nervous about the competition. I'm not nervous about the season. I mean, because for me. And I've always known that you're going to be where you're at today. I mean, it's like it's a confidence that I've had because I've just I've seen his success. I've seen him, and I've seen his hard work. Man, I've you know a lot of people don't see the things that 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 this young man does, and I see his humility and the fact that you know what he puts the Lord first always, and he's just a good kid. And I know there's some good things that are going to come for him here at BYU and for this program. And you know, I just look for for the successes for all the young men. So a lot of things have changed since you played. Also, some things haven't. But one thing that's definitely changed is the whole name, image, and likeness thing. Have you given any advice on that? It seems like there's a chance that could be a major plus for a lot of athletes. It also seems like there's a chance it could be disruptive in a locker room that already has issues. We'll probably see that across the country in some places this year. What have you thought about that, and how have you talked to them about that? I mean, honestly, I don't like it. You know, I don't like the name, image, and likeness um, um, scenario that has been, you know, that has been brought up by the NCA and ultimately that has come through 
you know, some outsiders that have decided that this is something that they wanted to utilize to benefit college football. But being that it's there, um, I think that it just needs to be, uh, you know, you just need to be careful about it because at the end of the day, football is a team sport. And, you know, why are the guys that are protecting the quarterback not being uh, benefited as much as the quarterback or the running back or the receivers. I mean, and in a lot of places, the quarterback is always well-revered. But, you know, you know, there's 11 guys on the field, always. And I believe that Kalani's done a magnificent job um, of Ohana X and putting, you know, more to life to help and to benefit the sum of the all, which is, you know, all 123 players, you know, with that built bar endorsement that they got. That's just awesome. Who does that? You know, and it's genuine and authentic for BYU. And I just told Jaron, actually, I didn't need to, even need to tell Jaron. Jaron was the type of guy, he's like, Dad, uh, you know, can you take care of that NIL stuff? I need to worry about football. And, you know, some things are going to come. That would be great. But at the end of the day, you know, we need to win football games. And my brothers and I need to be able to be comfortable in our locker room and know that, you know, we got each other's back, you know, because mon- monetary things sometimes can come between human natures, right? And, uh it could be something, to your point, that could be a distraction in the locker room. And, and I guarantee it's going to be a distraction. you got more young people thinking about their endorsement deals and not enough putting time into the game, preparation, the extra work, and all the little integral details that it takes to be a team and a unit. But I could say this. Those young men over at BYU, I think they've gone by it the right way. Um, they've got a they have an exceptional good chemistry going, and this nil thing has not affected those young people over there. At least from the little bit that I've heard and what I've seen, and you know, I got several nephews on the team, and you know, I talk to the boys, and so they got a really good vibe over there. So I mean, I guess it's a good thing on one on one level, but again, I think it can get really out of hand. But BYU's done an amazing job of processing. Uh, the, the 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 young people to the point where they're keeping them focused on the right things. And now bear in mind, Jaron's got some things that are going to be coming out, you know, just because it is what it is. I mean, he's a charismatic young person and, you know, folks want to, you know, utilize some of his talents and skill sets. But, uh, you know, in large part, you know, I'm not a huge fan, but, you know, you got to go with what's going on right now, right? So. Well, Kalen, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on, and uh, good luck to your family and Jaron as the season unfolds. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys, and uh, you guys have a blessed day. There's Kalen Hall, former BYU running back. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag college football. Biggest thing is we got to focus on ourselves, and that's what we talked about finishing. Doesn't matter who the opponent is, uh, just trying to play the best game we can play. We're not going to always have the best hand. These first two games, we're probably not going to have the best hand. But the only chance we have to win is to go out there and play our best. And so, with two games in five days, is going to be pretty challenging on our guys. That transition between the Saturday Thursday game, uh, we kind of thought it out as the coaching staff and try to do as much as we can to, to stay fresh for Thursday. But we're going to go in there and compete. That's Demario Warren. Talking about his Southern Utah Thunderbirds. They open the season week zero. That's his Saturday. 
uh, at San Jose State, and then they turn around and play Thursday night against Arizona State. Your Sun Devils opening up right after the Utah Weber State game on the Pac-12 Network. Two games, five days. He was on with Hands and Scotty. Those are tall tasks, PK. It's easy to see a Big Sky team coming out of those games 0-2. No, I don't care about 0-2. They better be one, uh, at least 1-1. <laughs> See, they can do whatever they want Saturday. But Thursday, those Devils better win. Well, they got the advantage in consistency of coaching. We drop guys like flies down Le- where I come from. Left and right. And up the middle. That's where the strength of your team is, you know. Week zero football. If you're looking for some college football to watch tomorrow, Nebraska and Illinois play at 11 a.m. on Fox. UConn and Fresno State at noon on the CBS Sports Network. Hawaii and UCLA at 1.30 on ABC. And UTEP and New Mexico State, 7.30 on Flow Football. That's where you're going to find that game. We were talking about it yesterday, PK. Flow Football. Streaming. Southern Utah and San Jose State, 8 o'clock at night on the CBS Sports Network. Is that F-O-L or F-L-O-W? No W. Just F-L-O. So you got three Mountain West teams playing there if you want to track the Mountain West. I do. Thought you might... Knew you thought I might. Pac-12 will not pursue expansion, quote, at this time, the conference said Thursday. Any speculation they might add some Big 12 schools? Pac-12 Commissioner George Klavkov said stability was important to us. And there's nobody there who can give us money, any stability. That money. was the party thought, but didn't say out loud. Why do people speak the truth, man? These teams aren't worth nearly enough cash to do that. You know what they don't understand? The more truth you speak, the more respect you get. People duck the truth because they don't want to put themselves out there. They don't respect you that way. Speak the truth, and people will respect you more. They don't understand that concept. West Virginia president and Vernal native Gordon Gee said he believes college football playoff expansion is on life support, and he will not vote in favor of the proposed 12-team model when the college football playoff board of managers meets next month. Is it Gee or G? Don't know. Then why'd you go with Gee? Had to pick one. I wasn't going to say Gordon What's-His-Face until right now when I did. Gordon Gee and or G says, I think expansion is on life support now. I have one of the votes. I think it needs to be unanimous, and I'm not voting for it. I think the Big Ten will not vote for it, and the Pac-10 will probably not vote for it either. It's one of those ideas that I think was very good when there was stability. When there's instability, the idea becomes less appropriate. You called it the Pac-10. Jeez. You call yourself a Channel 2 employee. Crimson Club for over a decade. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I think we all know what's at stake, and, and I talked about that a little bit today about perspective and how important that perspective is to focus on this season and, and enjoy you know, the most out of this season because there are a lot of unknowns. So we're just going to enjoy this season. It's, it's title town. It's championship or disappointment just about every year. That's Aaron Rodgers on expectations in Green Bay and his mentality. He's been consistent saying that. A lot of unknowns beyond that. He's so philosophical. Yeah, right. Chargers running back Austin Eckler says he will give away free autographed jerseys throughout the season to fantasy football players who start him in their weekly lineup and post their victories on social media. Said Wednesday uh, night in a tweet that winners will be chosen every week throughout the season and sent the signed jersey. 
He is the seventh best running back in ESPN's fantasy ranking. So why wouldn't you be starting him? Because uh, this one through six is on the same team. <laughs> that team's loaded, and somebody drafted really poorly in that league. Ask me why. Eh? You've got uh, breaking news you saw from Adam Schefter. New Orleans Saints. Ride some Taysom bench. Winston is going to be starting for the New Orleans Saints. Saints players seen congratulating him. Other Saints players seen controlling, uh, consoling an hysterical, hysterical Taysom Hill because he did not win the starting job. Sources told PK. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I know you don't want to. You're afraid you and Channel Two people won't watch it, but I just don't see it, man. Sorry, I wish I did. <laughs> he could start for the bottom half of the league. I mean, he started last year and was basically a 500 uh, quarterback. There's plenty of quarterbacks who start in the league or 500 you're quarterbacks. Find the bright spot. <laughs> well, that's the truth. Channel Two, 10:30. <laughs> but he's not going to start for a team that is, wants to go to the playoffs and wants to win in the playoffs, and that's what the Saints want to do. No team thought he was a starting quarterback in the NFL. That's true. I mean, nobody drafted him. And he never hit the open market. The Saints signed him, so. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. One of the best curveballs I ever saw. Oh, my goodness. Swung on and missed. He strikes him out. Gordon down. Easy question either with those three. 95 to strike him out. Back to Bevins. And he got him. An immaculate inning. An immaculate inning, PK. Three strikeouts on nine pitches. And he did it for the third. That's Boston uh, Red Sox ace Chris Sale. Doing it for the third time in his career. He did it in the third inning as Boston beat Minnesota 12 2. One of the best curveballs they've ever seen. Remember that. That's going to be a theme this morning. But uh, hey, oh. would you rather? <laughs> would you, <laughs> you know you liked it. <laughs> I did. That's why I laughed. <laughs> would you rather have an immaculate inning or three outs on three pitches? I suppose you'd rather have three outs on three pitches. Of course, that'll never happen because then the third batter takes nope, a pitch. Will not swing <laughs> at the just, first pitch. Just, just, that's happened before, but then the third batter never swings. We got to work on this guy's pitch count. Never swings at the first pitch. It could be a a, a seventy-five mile an hour down the pipe that pass thing ball. Up. He doesn't swing. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Just groove him a batting practice. <laughs> he won't swing. He will not swing. <laughs> so, yeah, the, stri- the strikeouts today. They don't really have the allure that they used to, and they certainly don't have the disappointment. But Chris Sale, you know, he's got it going on. He's a, he's like a like a miniature Randy Johnson that way. He's very tall and lanky, and Randy obviously was extremely tall at six ten. So I saw that and thought that that's pretty cool. What would you rather have? You rather conserve your pitch count, which I think they probably do. I think when you reach his level. Personal stats and all that stuff—they're—they're they're nice, but he's already achieved all that stuff. So it's about helping his team win. And Boston is still in the thick of things for sure. 
Red Sox battling for that last wild card berth. They've got the uh, lead on Oakland right now by two and a half games. Yeah, Oakland's lost five in a row now. Yeah, they're taking on water. Yankees got him again. Yankees Whoa. seven to six. Aaron Judge RBI single, giving the Yankees their twelfth consecutive victory, their longest streak since 1961. Roger Maris was taking care of business back then. The Orioles had that massive 19-game losing streak, but now they've won two in a row. They beat the Angels 13-1. The Angels' only run was Shohei Otani's 41st homer. I think he let off the game. That is tops <laughs> off home run, in the yeah. major leagues. And it was yeah. all downhill from there. All <laughs> Orioles the rest of the day. Right. You didn't get there early. You missed any uh, Angel offense. Giants keep doing their thing. They sweep the Mets, beat them again 3-2 to two to remain on top of the NL West. Dodgers keep pace. Max Scherzer, an outstanding performance as the Dodgers beat the Padres for the third time in a row. Four zip the final score there. You know what's funky? What is funky? Is that you can have... See, the Dodgers can finish 15 games ahead of the Padres. Mm-hmm. And then the Padres can beat him in a one-game playoff. Or the Reds, but I get your point, yes. So you don't sort want to be of, in the wild card. Sort of a little bit of a hitch in the wild card deal. You could be substantially better but than... you still got to win that one game yeah. or you're out. Yeah. The Reds are 11 games over five hundred right now, holding on to that last wild card berth. They have moved two games in front of the Padres. They beat the Brewers 5-1 yesterday. I have a Joey Votto t-shirt, by the way. Oh, do you really? Yes. Okay. I I wear it proudly. But the Dodgers right now are 11 and a half games in front of the Reds and are sitting on the second best record in all of baseball. But like you say, as things stand right now, their fate would rest on one game. Yeah, and it's going and to your be point, either them and or the right, Giants. Your, your point holds. If the Dodgers catch the yeah. Giants, then the Giants' right. fate will rest on one game. So it is a little bit of the hitch. You feel better if it's something like it is in the American League, where right now oh, the Yankees yeah, are it's three. A dog fight. Yeah, the Yankees yeah. are three games in front of the Red Sox. Right. If they meet, eh, it's good enough. Well, yeah, they deserve it. They deserve but when you're ten to fifteen games in front of the next team, if you don't win, I think everybody would be like, uh, "That's not ideal." But, right. But nevertheless, but that's what it is. We love our playoffs. We love our postseason. These drama. are the rules we've chosen, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> Bees lost 7-6 to the Tacoma Rainiers. Teams will square off once again tonight at 8 o'clock. Steve Klopke on the call here on the Zone Sports Network. Hashtag RSL. RSL in Vancouver Sunday night against the Whitecaps. They beat them at home 3-1, although that game was much closer than it appeared. They scored twice in stoppage time. And then they uh, blasted them. 4-0, so they've beaten them twice, third and final meeting. They'll be in Vancouver. Vancouver's been on the road for more oh, than a year. Jeez. <laughs> Had to go to the tournament in Orlando. They were down no, there for a month. Yeah, and then CONCACAF. You went down to six six games at the end of last season then in they Portland. Went over to Monte Carlo. You're making I mean, all that up. Just... Nine games here in Utah. They're finally back home. They actually have had one home game since they went back home, and they beat LAFC. So. You just wonder, though, you know, taking a broader approach. A broader approach. If uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's going to go to Man U. Because, you know, they want him. I think he's going to go to Man City. Well, they want, you know, to, they just want to reunite, you know, with the old uh, Trafford return. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's, it's, it's what Man United wants. City. You hope. 
But I don't know, because you got Bruno Fernandez who's trying to make a move on that to see what they can do with Ronaldo. You know what, what is mean? trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock I mean, the, Plumbing. The transfer window this summer is just obscene. Unbelievable. It is. What do you make of Mbappe making a $200 million move? Ah, uh, well, it, it, is it in USD? Yeah, $218 million overall. Oh, Maron, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, for guys who can't play baseball, they can really cash in. Good point. <laughs> Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, his weekly visit at 8.30. Arizona football coach Jed Fish coming up at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Former BYU quarterback John Beck with us. Tell us everything you know about Jaron Hall. You've been working with him. You've worked with a fellow named Zach before that and seemed to have some pretty good success. What are you seeing with Jaron? I'm excited with the skill set that he brings to the position. It's a guy that's been around football for years, but in terms of how much football he's done over the past few years, it's been limited because of injuries. So I see the skill set. He worked really hard this offseason. I've heard that things are going really well for him this camp. So for me, it's going to be, let's see what the offense looks like with him at the helm. It's not going to look exactly like Zach, but Jaron brings an athleticism that is somewhat close to some of the things that Zach did. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah, counting you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60, presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on The Zone Sports Network. Anybody surprised or disappointed to hear the conference champions is not pursuing expansion at this time? Any of you folks out there surprised? That's the question today on social media. Grab your phone, use the app, use the open mic. Send us your takes, and Yach will play them. David says, well, given the fact they haven't won championships in a while, I figured they'd want to keep that in-house. So, no. Really, when you think about it, of all the available expansion candidates, the one that would draw them the most money is BYU. And they've already passed on BYU. So why would you be surprised that they pass now? Because according to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, I think it is, the writer there, says, with millions of interested Mormons, and you got a few, you know, a couple thousand uninterested Mormons, but with millions of interested Mormons... BYU is Notre Dame light. And he spells it L-I-T-E, which is a reference to beer, which is sort of ironic in a way. Bringing everything full circle. Yeah. Want them to change doctrine, some people, apparently. And they ain't changing. Get over it. <laughs> Rye Guy says, what's the point? Why I have a huge conference where you can't even play half the teams. He does not like the way college sports is trending. Well, no one's preventing you. I think, uh, what, uh, is it, uh, who is it this year? Is it Wake Forest in North Carolina? I think they have a non-conference football game. If they're not going to let them play in conference and their neighbors there in North Carolina, they'll just schedule a non-conference game. Right. We like playing each other. (laughs) Each other's fans can go to the game. We don't have to rent a charter airplane. Fine. One time, way back when, flew in on a rainy night, not in Georgia, but in North Carolina. 
and I came out of the Greensboro Airport, and I, t I didn't know where I was going. You didn't have the stuff on your phone, and I was going to Wake Forest, and instead of turning right, I turned left. I got way lost. Took me a long time to get to where uh, am I? Winston Salem. Eventually, I got there, where Mike Doliak and Drew Hansen were playing ping pong, ping pong, with the energy of someone who had just run seven consecutive ma marathons. Because the game was Thursday, and they'd been there since Sunday. A certain basketball coach didn't have little kids at home or whatever. So he took them and parked the team in North <laughs> Carolina for a week. <laughs> By the time I got there Wednesday, they were bored out of their minds. Hey, guys. And it was Christmas break, so there wasn't even any school to be studying for. <laughs> Ouch. Scott says it's no surprise at all. It's the Pac-12. What did you expect? <laughs> what does that mean? I think he views them as a league that isn't very aggressive. And he's heard them talk before about how they want the academics to match up. And they're going to, for them to expand, it's going to have to be a really glamorous move. Colorado and Utah were glamorous moves? No, <laughs> but they needed 12 at that point to have a championship game. And since then, the rules have changed, and you don't need oh, to learn There was anymore. never any rules. There was a rule. No, there wasn't. Yes, there was. There was not. Yes, the Big no... 12 hadn't gotten its quote-unquote waiver yet. But the, from whom? The NCAA. Oh, the NCAA has no jurisdiction to tell you how many games you can play they did and all that. that. No, they, they did didn't. They didn't have to get the Big 10, said, Big 12 said, screw you. And they said, okay. Right, but the Pac-12 <laughs> didn't think to do that. You can say they're not aggressive. They were the most aggressive. They're the ones who went after Texas and Oklahoma. The SEC just stole the idea a decade later. They were extremely aggressive. You can criticize Larry Scott for whatever you want, but aggressiveness? That guy, he was aggressive big time thinking that we're going to do that. That would have been a home run with the bases loaded. A grand slam. So they were extremely aggressive. Austin says, with the alliance that was just formed with the ACC and the Big Ten, there is no need to expand. And there is no need and no teeth to that alliance. That This is the worst alliance in the history of alliances. Name me the alliance of something or other football was better than this alliance. The American alliance. No. Yeah. The alliance of American football. There it is. For one, it was too wordy. Full steed ahead. I think the goal of the alliance is to rein in the SEC, shut down the playoffs, and they're going to do it. As Gordon Gee and or G just said. Shut down the playoffs? So spite yourself? That makes, that makes a hell of a sense. Why don't you just shut it down? I think they're just shutting it down for now. I think when the deal is up, it'll go to 8 or 12, and then it'll go out and go well, to I mean, bed. There's nothing to be networks. had for now. So you can't, there's no need to shut it down because it doesn't exist Well, now. they were on their way to the plan of expanding to 12 and just handing ESPN a deal for another 10 or but 15 it, years. Not, you can't do anything now. There's nothing to be had for now. Eldon believes the Pac-12 should expand to the next level down. Don't you get bigger and join the Mountain West. So clever. If I click on this, will he be an Aggie or a Cougar? Uh, either way, he'll be stupid. <laughs> Michael says, I'm not really surprised no one left in the Big 12 is worth it. BYU, are we still talking about how they don't fit? That's been talked about for 10 years. How do they not fit? 
We've talked about it for 10 years. Good grief. How do they not fit? (sighs) Actually, they're the perfect fit. There's not a school more geographically aligned than BYU. They are the perfect fit. San Diego State. No, you might as well go Northridge then. (laughs) (laughs) You're just trying to hurt me. (laughs) Bringing the Matadome into the Pac-12. Uh, right, right guy who said, why have a huge conference where you can't even play half the teams? And Burst says, the SEC is built this way, and their model is very successful. Say that again. The SEC is built this way, and their model is very successful. So make a 14-team league. Make a 16-team league. Don't worry that you're not playing all the teams all the time. And I think they wouldn't okay, if but they could get schools like Oklahoma and Texas when they expanded. Well, if you have Alabama in your league, then and that's what you're judged on of the metric of success, then you're going to be successful. So you could put Alabama in the big sky. And if you're judged by getting to the top and winning it, if that's what equals success, then you're successful. So the Pac-12's problem right now is they're not in the Pete Carroll era. And Alabama is in the Saban era. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. Because if this would have been when there were no L.A. football teams at the pro level and the Trojans were the pro team and the sexy team and all the stars were there and all that stuff, yeah, they would have been, we wouldn't have been batting eyelash. And, and uh, who was it? Hanson was the Pac-12 or Pac-10 uh, commissioner then. Yeah. But things changed. And one day Nick Saban will retire and this too shall change. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know about that. Because they're probably going to get another big name dude. Tons of speculation that they're going to get Dabo. Oh, Sweeney's not going to go. I know you're going to go there. I know. He's but not. the longer he wins at Clemson, why move? He's not. They're going to hire somebody on the staff. You got it at Clemson. I mean, somebody who's just been recently fired and goes to, they're like the... Uh, they rehab coaches, the, uh, reputation. Yeah, like the place, you know, uh, they have these things along the coast for animals, uh, yeah, mammals. They go ahead and rehab them. Uh, and they do it for dogs and all, for some people who, for some reason, beyond comprehension, are cruel to animals. And so they have these rehab places. Well, that's essentially what Nick Staben's staff is. Go on rehab. Who is it? Jim O'Brien now? Is he the yep. latest? Yeah. I have a feeling Alabama's just going to be fine going forward no matter what. And besides, Saban isn't talking about quitting anyway. As long as he's got his health, he could he could do it for another seven, eight, nine years easily. Keep, keep grinding out 12-win teams. To. It seems like he's having the time of his life. So the Pac-12 needs USC or Oregon to go on an awesome run. It doesn't matter who it is. I don't know why you single those two. Well, they seem like the two most likely to do it. Mm, It needs anybody. They need Cal to go on an awesome run. They take whomever.
So they're not expanding now. They're not expecting expanding anytime soon. Do you see them ever expanding? Yes. Only to replace somebody who's left? Well, I because I, I don't know that, that they will be in a f- position of uh, consistency as they are now with the, with the 12 because uh, the, I believe there's a potential for it to be morphed into something completely different. I believe that potential is out there. You're right. So it, it, whether it's through expansion or... Or like uh, the Big 12, they have to replace you teams. do, yeah. the... the there, the there will not be a Pac-12 ten years from now. What will there be? Take a guess. That's what I'm talking about. I think they're going to merge, and they're going to call it other things. And so, a large clump of the teams will be together. But I mean, I think there needs to be a total revampage of college athletics. There's just there's no need. Uh, the women's tennis team, which has three people from Germany and two from Croatia, in Tucson, goes up to Seattle to play tennis. W- why? <laughs> so, take your football and maybe some other sports. You can go a little broad based, but have the rest of them be more geographically aligned. What difference does it make? There was a time they used to do that. Especially in the individual sports. But not anymore now. Where winning that individual title of women's tennis or whatever it might be. Golf. Wrestling. Golf is the easiest one. I don't know. They're all the same to me. They're all easy. And so have those. You can. doesn't matter where you're at. If you're good enough, you can succeed. So who cares? So why spend all this money having this unification and, and and now with the NIL, I get it. Academics are so important. I get it. I, I, I understand that. And keep preaching it. And meanwhile, people and, and kids are choosing to go where they can play. And so you can – the fans don't buy it, nor do they care. Stay eligible. It's up to you what you do with your academics. You, you – 1972, somebody told you a chair can get into ASU. All right, I got into ASU. Look at me now. I'm fine. So who cares whether it's a chair or a table or a light stand? What difference does it make? The coach trying to win cares because there's some players he wants that he thinks he could get, and then suddenly someone in admission says, you can't have them. And then they go to another school, and they beat his team, and he's furious. That's what that is all about. And beyond that, it isn't much. Right. But that, that is And if he would have beat the team, he wouldn't have said it. But That's so he's story. whining because right. he lost. So who and 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 so now blame the admissions, blame the referees. We are a society of victims. Everybody wants to be a victim. So academics is up to the individual what he or she wants to do with it. Uh, so I think we need to get past that and s- separate the two because we're sort of going down that road anyway. So go ahead and do with it. Separate football from everything else, even men's basketball. It's all, it's all about the football. It's 85% of the money or something in these TV deals. It's about the football. And there's so few road games that it doesn't matter if your team has to travel a long way because you just don't travel that much. Yeah, it's a short amount of time, too. You leave on Friday. Maybe you would leave Thursday night if it was 
the Hurricanes playing the Huskies of Washington or something. <laughs> From Miami to Seattle. Yeah. So, you know, under those circumstances, but largely intact of what you're saying. So I, I wonder if they'll just break off. The BYU seems to be functioning fine and they don't have all their teams in one conference. There could be a lot more of that. So in that case, you're looking at four, eight, or nine team divisions, leagues, conferences, whatever you want to call them. Sure. And the question is, will Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M be in the West with USC and Oregon and Washington and maybe two or three more teams? Or will most of the Pac-12 survive as the Western Division? Yeah. I don't, I don't understand why, you won't, why it wouldn't. I guess as they try to squeeze more teams out so the fewer teams get to divide the money. Depends on who you let in those other three leagues. And I'm sure those lists exist at ESPN and at the SEC offices. So are you going to have sure like they've messed around 20 with teams? Uh, I think it's more four of eight or four of nine. I think 40 at the most, but maybe 32 or 36. There's no way UC Los Angeles is going to be left out. It's just not happening. So you could have a if you're if if you had eight teams, oh, you're just arbitrarily choosing yeah. numbers. <laughs> well, I, I think that's where it's going for all the but, reasons you bring up. Hence, you don't know. I get it. You, that's nobody, just, your nobody opinion. knows. Right? I know it's everybody's opinion. But when you speak, peop, you're, you're the award winner and all this stuff, so people think you know what you're talking about. But the you're worst, just making it up. The worst case scenarios for Ute fans getting squeezed out: USC, UCLA. Oregon, Washington, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. That's seven teams in the West. You just, but you're just randomly picking teams. They're not random. Those are teams that have the most money and the biggest brands. And they got room for one or more, one or two more teams. <laughs> According to you. Yeah. <laughs> but you're acting not like just, there's some not, shred of truth or fact to this. Not just, you're just making it up. Not just me. It's not just me. Who is it? It's been written out there by plenty of people. Oh, great. So we got one guy who happened. just decides to write something. Yeah. There, that's fact. It's written out there. Great. It's written out there. It's not exactly the Bible here. Absolutely not. Or in your case, the other one. That's not. And stuff happen. can change in a decade. Oh, there'll be five trillion lawsuits and this and that. Yeah, believe me, you'll be pushing up daisies, as <laughs> Ralphie said. You said in ten years from now. You said in ten years it wasn't going to exist. So now you're going daisies and long from now. You're trying to get me in a contradiction. I give you credit, but you're failing miserably. At no point did I say any of these 12 teams would be left out. You said in 10 years the Pac-12 won't exist. I did not say that. I said that it won't necessarily be called that, but the teams will be clumped together. Roll the tape. That's what I said. I don't. I think, think the- some will get left out. I mean, that's the whole point of this. I mean, that's why they took Oklahoma and Texas and they cut out the other eight teams. And that's why the Pac-12 doesn't want to take any of the other eight teams. You're not worth as much money. So they're gone. So it's like you say, UCLA will be okay. I think you're right, because UCLA is worth more money. Oh, and I think the Arizonas will be fine. I think Colorado will be fine. I think Utah will be fine. Yeah. I mean, we make a big deal. Oh, we got to go play a game in Texas because there's all these recruits in Texas. We got to play one game every other year. TCU, we get to go. We'll take the recruits home 
twice, and it's a big deal. Now, all of a sudden, Arizona cranks out quarterbacks like BYU used to do in the 70s and 80s, and you're out the door. It doesn't make any sense. Well, times have changed. Technology has changed. Like you said, games are on TV everywhere. And even 20 years ago, it wasn't like this. But still a big deal. Schedule a game in Texas. You get that recruiting base. One game is a big, big deal. No. They're not going to be left out. Utah's not going to be left out. Are you kidding? They're a premier research institution. You're forgetting the academic snobs will always be there. They'll never change. They have to be there. That's what they built their professional careers on. They didn't build it on athletics. The university president isn't some good old boy who's been hanging around the athletic department for years. He, it's he or she <laughs> is an accomplished academician, if that's even a word. It just I, sounded I don't nice. I think it is, but it's close enough. <laughs> Academic, academician, you know. Tomato, tomato. So they're always light. going to push that. And Utah, with its research and obviously with all the medical stuff, it's always going to be premier. It's never going to change. They'll be fine. And you, because you, you talk about the other schools, but you never talk about Utah, because that man, that that's that's sensitive to our listeners. Because if the if the I Arizona schools are out, sure as hell Utah well, I, is I, out. I don't think that the Arizona <laughs> schools are out. I, I think Arizona, could but you be never in trouble, mention them. But I don't think ASU would be. I think there's. A, how about Utah? Because nobody think, cares whether the Arizonas are in trouble or not up here. They think, care about this thing right I, up the hill there. I think USC, Oregon, and Washington are 100% safe no matter where this Utah? goes. And how about Utah? I think Arizona, Oregon State, and Washington State. I'm do what you do. There's no <sighs> path forward. The other six, it's all playing the odds. How about Utah? Are they They're in, in the trouble? Other six. Yes, yes or no? Definitely maybe. Because... <laughs> Who knows what it's going to look like? And I'm definitely they get squeezed no. out. They are not going to be in trouble. But you know, UCLA is probably 90% safe. This is all just made up. We have no factual basis on this whatsoever. You know, Somebody you wrote something you somewhere. Haven't, you haven't talked to anybody who might know anything about this. And they have speculation. They don't know. No, nobody knows because it hasn't no? happened. And Klyavkov basically came out and said this. He said, Paraphrasing. Go ahead. It's going to be fine in the next TV deal, but 15 or 20 years from now, who knows? Duh. Who knows? So, how right. can I say Utah is going to be in trouble? Who knows? I personally believe no. I believe the stuff that I said the other day growing economy, fastest this and that, best this and that. We hear it all the time. Research institution. Uh, it's centrally located. You can go east, you can go west. If they keep winning after Winningham, if the youths keep winning after Kyle retires. Mm, I don't think winning is that big of a deal. If winning was it that may, big of if a it deal, maintains Colorado the passion. would have never gotten in. If it maintains the passion. It'll always have the passion. Sure, the passion isn't going anywhere. Now, the passion I, I thought, is only I increasing. Thought Utah, I thought Utah basketball would always have the passion. But you told me it's all about it football. Doesn't. So who cares about that? Because they had the passion and they were winning, and then they're not winning, and the passion isn't there. Great. So now that, back to the top, topic so of football. that's the parallel. <laughs> it could happen in football, too, just like it happened in basketball. When she, yeah, okay. The sun could fall from the sky. There's any number of things that could happen. But what is going to happen? No. Utah football is here to stay. Maybe they don't win as much. When BYU went through mm. 0-1 to 0-4, there was no loss right. of passion. In fact, the passion increased. The animosity, the negativity, the anger. You couldn't go anywhere without 
at least for me, because I was covering for the watchdog, no matter where I went, BYU fans were furious. We cashed in bonuses big time because people were furious and they wanted to come on the air and vent about that football program. That's what we're approaching with the U. That's when Lisa became famous. That's what we're approaching with the U now. And and I can't guarantee that they're going to win at the level that they have been for whatever. I can't guarantee anything. I can't guarantee I'll be alive Sunday. So how in the hell am I supposed to guarantee some football status of a program in 10 years? Not going to happen. I just believe, based on all the parameters right now, the University of Utah is going to be fine. Somebody, I don't know if it's the Pac-12 or Pac-13 or Pac-47, I don't know. But where they are and what they offer, what they have, it's just too valuable. I go back to the bathroom at Sun Devil Stadium and the Pac-12 official saying we love having Utah in this conference. That's never going to change. That's only growing. It's not receding. It's growing. Utah is in a great spot. I happen to think they're in a better spot than the Arizonas. And more than half of the teams in the conference, Utah is more solid. I can say that without any hesitation. I think the Utes brand is in the middle of the conference. So depending on how this goes, they could be in or out. Because oh, you're no. right, nobody knows. They're and in. I think I think ASU's pretty safe. I think Arizona could be in trouble. I don't know. I don't know what to say on that. I mean, that's your opinion. ASU's sitting in the middle of a metropolitan area, and they will want those eyeballs on streaming or however we're watching games at that point. That's easy to make that leap to that conclusion. So, yes, I see where you're going with that. But Utah, Utah's right there, man. They are they are right there. The the fact that there's passion here and not the NFL could work in the Utes' favor big time if things start getting dicey. But the other thing that could work in their favor is what you said earlier, is that the people calling the shots are the academics. Right. The academic meanings. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and so they may struggle with the whole, wow, right. are we really going to go down to 32 teams and look like the NFL? Yeah. yeah Maybe right. we stay at 40. Right. You know? And at that point, Utah's the kind of program that might really benefit from a decision like that. They will. Right. If it comes to, If you because combine academics and athletics, Utah, I think they're third or fourth in a conference. I don't know that I give University of Washington an advantage over them. Yeah, they'll never cut out Seattle. <laughs> they'll always want the eyeballs that. to come with it. Uh, yeah, I agree, but I think they're right there with them. USC, and that's a pretty high level. USC, Oregon, Washington, and then in the next group, UCLA, Utah. Yeah, but you got to keep Stanford if you want academics. If you want to look like okay, you so have now Stanford about academics. So, of so UCLA and Stanford are four and five. So now the Utes have the sixth best brand. I don't think they do. That's no, I think they're way better than Stanford. <laughs> okay, but academics are part of the brand. Right. That's why Stanford will get in. Well, it's possible that 8 of the 12 or 9 of the 12 would survive it. I think that's what will happen. That's what I'm thinking. That just means don't lump Oklahoma and the Texas schools and, in the West. And in 10 and 15 years, I don't really give a crap either way. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe you'll still want to watch your Sun Devils. I will, but they're not going to close up the program. Go back to the whack when they were winning championships. That would be great. <laughs> ASU and San Diego State. Sweet. At Boise State in the Mountain West. All right, DJ and PK, it's all speculation. George Klavkov has already told us it's not going to happen in this next deal. Beyond that, anything could. The Athletic, man, reporting big news. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Get ready for the upcoming jazz season at the Jazz Team Store end of August sale. End of summer sale. It runs today and tomorrow at Vivint Arena. Get great deals on the latest jazz gear today and tomorrow. Yeah, I was out there yesterday and a steady flow of folks. We did the show with Gordon yesterday afternoon. And they had a ton of stuff. Um, neighbor kid just got home from a mission. Another uh, another neighbor guy got off for work downtown here. And there were people there all, the whole time we were there from 2 to 6. So it looks like they got some good deals for you. Do the Christmas shop and you're three months out. Just knock it out. Be done with it. All right. There's breaking news from The Athletic. You were yelling right before the break. What does the athletic Still know? Still early in this process, but Big 12 sources tell the athletic there's one school they're already seriously discussing, BYU. Not a surprise. Really? Yeah, last time they did this, when they did the dog and pony show, hey, maybe we're going to add, and then they decided not. Okay. There was one story that, or more than one story, but it was out of Texas, that BYU clearly financially was Team 11 and nobody else was Team So 12. they didn't do it, and a large reason, at least what we were told, was the LGBTQT thing, and that thing is not only there, it'll be there forever, but it's growing stronger. Jeff Reholland apparently said something this week. I don't understand all the fuss. This has been their doctrine forever. Why now? What did Jeffrey Holland say that hasn't been said a hundred times over? Did I miss something? I don't follow it, but it seems like every six months, every year, every whatever, they say it. They bring it up to our attention, and they're not changing. And what was it? A group out of Iowa got a petition going and all that stuff. So the Big 12 wants to get involved with that. It was a student organization from Iowa State. Yeah. So it is, to me, it's very surprising. Well, okay. But the, it'll be more surprising than if they actually do it. You can't be surprised that it'll be strongly considering BYU. At the end, maybe that'll be the hurdle that isn't cleared and but the reason doesn't been, do it. No, it is surprising because they've already gone through. BYU is not going to offer you anything more than they offered you before. You are intimately familiar with BYU. Right. Now, I think they should invite BYU. I'm, I'm just presenting the deal. I know Gordon was all hot and bothered, wrote something about it, said he got a ton of reaction, blah, 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 blah. A little hesitant to talk about it on the radio. I'm fine with talking about it because this doctrine isn't changing. Unless it does change, maybe I'm wrong. But it seems to me since I've been living here and I've been hearing about it, it doesn't change. And they want to love the people, but that activity they believe is against what God wants. Am I summarizing it correctly? That sounds like a <laughs> quick summary, yes. It doesn't mean that they hate the people, or I'm not saying any of that stuff. It goes against God's commandments. Yeah, so see, if you believe God tells you to do something, what, what can I tell you? So they already know. They've researched and vetted out BYU through and through. So they've already got, they've got such a head start 
on what BYU brings. I believe they know intimately what BYU brings. I'm not sure the people who write this stuff know about that other stuff to the left. Some do. I'm sure some do. But I, don't, I, I, I seriously doubt but that, that they, they know Jeffrey Holland said these things would, the other day that blew up. I would seriously doubt that, too. I would expect that a writer there has talked to an administrator there. An administrator has said, well, they're at the top of our list. Well, they were at the top of the list last time. Now, that didn't do any good because nobody on the list got in. But the Big 12 financially is in a little more desperate situation now than they were then. Oh, I think BYU's best of the unclaimed. Yeah. But are they the safest? I could argue no. Well, if they need to add four teams, they could go Cincinnati, Memphis, Houston, UCF, and leave oh, BYU no, out. There's no shortage of teams if you need to add them. They said That's they've not... heard from about 15 teams, mostly Mountain West and AAC. Well, duh. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So. If and you... I would think that most of the schools they've heard from, they, they vetted the last time around. There shouldn't be that many surprises. I guess some uh, things change I, over I a think, few years. I you think, know, with university presidents... Who was in, who's okay, out. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you who were. were. I, I can't tell you which of those eight presidents right. are still the same. Right. But there's still people in the bureaucracy who are in place, and there's a file somewhere with all the info in the conference office. So it's not that much ground to cover. If you could put the social stuff aside, I don't know if you can, but if you, if you did, or maybe it doesn't matter, you don't need to put it aside because you're comfortable with that. Either way, to me, to me, I joined the chorus of people who've been writing this. BYU's absolute no-brainer. Quote, the people who didn't want BYU before are leaving the conference, unquote. That comes from that story in The Athletic. What does that mean? That means Oklahoma and Texas didn't want BYU. Or Oklahoma well, but or I thought Texas. it was or, Iowa or, or, that got the thing are, going. there Iowa are administrators State. in other schools who have... Oh, so an administrator left even if the school is there. Or administrators are right. leaving, are retiring, moving on, etc. The thing about that is, are we sure every person at all these schools doesn't have a problem or thinks homosexual activity is wrong? Are, are we sure everybody at Utah thinks that, hey, I'm okay with it? Well, there's no I way. believe in gay there's, marriage. There's, I believe in whatever. There's no way right. it, there's in everybody when you're right. talking about... 30,000 students and however many I'm thousand faculty. I'm talking about faculty. administrators and football coaches and, and all that stuff. So I'm okay. not talking about married so dozens of students. Well, except that it was the Iowa State students who starting a petition and I don't know, did they demonstrate on camps or whatever? I, didn't, I, I don't know. But whatever. So to some degree, those people matter. I get university presidents matter more than your average sophomore. Are we going to go down the list and have a, a Temple recommend interview with everyone to see what you believe in and what you don't believe in and what you think is right and what you think is wrong. How do you handle it? Because it's a complete and total conundrum because you want to love everyone, but yet you're told God thinks this behavior is not appropriate. Well, and you probably have, if you don't have it in your family, you certainly know somebody and you find that person, those persons to be just fine human beings, upstanding human beings. And in many cases, you may love them. I'm dealing it within my own household as we speak. So what what do we do with that? Am I not going to love them? But how do I handle it if I think it's not what God wants and all that stuff? I don't have any answers to these things. So if you want answers, turn the channel because you ain't getting them for me. Maybe you got them, but I don't. I can guarantee you 100%. <laughs> 
that I do not have the answers. Yeah. So it's just, and I, I'm laughing because it's I think it's just ridiculous to baffling. think that people would come to us for the answers. Yeah. And yes. It's such a complex issue but here. Should follow, that keep the Cougars out? I don't think it will. I don't think it should. Follow it, the money. We've said that a thousand times, and the Big Twelve is in a much more precarious state. And BYU's in no brainer. Although in this time, in this position too, and I guess we've got to go to break, we can get to it, should BYU say yes? Before, oh, no question. Right. But now, I'm not so sure. It's not as clear. I think they probably should, but I'd like more information before I wrote that for sure. I was going to tease that, and you were going to give the answer on the other side. And I will. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, the Pac-12's not going to expand. The Big 12 is. BYU's at the top of the list. This is familiar ground. I feel like we've had all these conversations before. But, things do change, and you brought up before the break, well, maybe BYU doesn't need to run to the Big 12 the way they did before. Doesn't mean that they wouldn't end up deciding to join? No. And certainly they'll listen and they'll have conversations. But when Oklahoma and Texas are in the league, and they're one of the Power Five, that well, it's is watered a, down now. A no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. It is It is watered down. It isn't yeah. clear that there's a Power 5 anymore. It looks more like a Power 4. Although, man, I think if you added BYU and Cincinnati, those are there's, they're excellent programs. I don't care what label you want to slap on them. It doesn't. I don't, I'm not into that stuff. Scoreboard. Repeated times. Look at BYU's yeah. all-time record against Texas. I view myself right. as an underdog who's had to fight for everything, and that's the way I view these but this People is a been ma- left out. This is about brand and image and as much as Cincinnati it's about fine. as much as it's about reality. Now, we follow it pretty close and we don't really have any built-in bias we think in favor of Texas, but we have um, Barry Trammell on uh, periodically slash routinely from Oklahoma City and he pointed out well, Texas has got a handful depending on how you count it, 3 to 6 big seasons. Over the course of like 30 or 40 years. Yeah, I don't think it's just based on record and scoreboard. Uh, Because if it was, Boise would be a no-brainer. But it's more than that. I mean, they've proven it on the field. Boise State has my respect. There's no doubt about it. I fought it for a long time, but no more. You just gave in. Yeah, they've earned it. Not that they care about having my respect, but that's a football program, and they they change coaches, and they still manage to do very, very well. But there's other you know circumstances involved. But I think in, in my mind, BYU checks those boxes. And I've been around that program for a long, long time. But and, does the Big 12? Be. But I does the, that, well, I think they do now, for sure. I think if they want to get in this time, they can get in. It's just a question of should be and BYU would obviously do their homework and diligence and all this stuff to make sure that it's so the right thing for them. Isn't this con- this conference even its reduced stay without Oklahoma and Texas? Aren't these teams teams still going to pull down fifteen to twenty million a year in TV money? I mean, that seems to be the number one thing going into these decisions. Uh, I, well, off the top of my head, yes, right. And I've seen as high as twenty five. I'm not sure I buy it. But I don't know that much to guarantee you what the number is going to be. But I would think that 15 to 20 is still a huge upgrade for BYU. Yes. Athletic story says that they believe the ESPN deal is playing BYU between 6 and 10 million. Which so is what we've been which led is, to believe. Yeah. Right. So, I, you're, so you've I've heard doubled, the number 7 so and 8 that. thrown you're, around. You're doubling so. your money easily. Yeah, right. And you might be tripling it. Sure. Uh, 
okay, if you put in the word might, I can go with it. If you're going from 7 to 21 million, and I don't know that you are. You know, they might be at 8 now, and they might only be going to 16 million. So that would be doubling. But rather than get people quibbling about that, to the bigger point, if you're going to double or triple your money, go. Join. Well, what's the requirements, though? Do they put some stuff on you, like... You know, Locke was ahead of his time, and he'll come on the bottom of the hour, and we can maybe bring this up with him. He used to say about Utah, about how you're not a full-fledged member at first. I remember him mm-hmm. hammering that. Yeah. Well, it turned out he was right. Right. And so are there stipulations this time around? Do you go in as a full-fledged member? Uh, what's the penalty for leaving? Because suppose it falls apart, disintegrates. Well, you already know you're at the level that you can get an independent deal. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that Kansas State can. Agreed. Right. So what what happens? You know, it, 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 it drops. Maybe it doesn't fall apart because it hasn't fallen apart yet, but obviously it's not the same as it was mm-hmm. six weeks ago. So, right. but, if, but, but if Oklahoma State and Kansas whatever. State take off yeah. or whoever, right. Yeah. So what is the exit fee and what are the grant of rights and all that other stuff? Mm-hmm. You have to figure it out. If you're BYU... Tom's got to ask all those questions. Yeah, Tom the, lot, the, yes. well, the lawyers right. have to iron that puppy out. Mm-hmm. Lawyers are just salivating right now. <laughs> <laughs> billable hours! Yeah, billable hours right. are undefeated. Because it's, you know, it's so, so much minutiae involved that they have to do that you need the experts and all that stuff and all that they do that. So all that stuff has to be ironed out. It's just not... Well, yeah, absolutely, as it would have been if Texas and Oklahoma were in and they actually wanted to go to 12, as we know, if you didn't know, the big... 12 is 10. If they wanted to go to 12 and Texas and Oklahoma were committed for the next 25 years, that, of course, whatever stipulation, you'd say, yeah, 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 <laughs> we're in. But now it's a different circumstance, which is good for the Cougars because they're dealing from a little bit more of strength. It's not like they have two offers so they can play one against the other. But they do have, I think they have more leverage this time around. They have to really, really make sure it's what's best for them. And I wonder when you listen to Jeffrey Holland's talk, how much of it, he had a line that I didn't hear the talk and I probably should go back and listen to it. But we've uh, read the quotes that were pulled yeah, out. Yeah, and I haven't read anybody's stories. I've just seen quotes about basically if there is something that's, and I'm really loosely paraphrasing, but... Uh, we're going to do what we do, and if it costs us some type of affiliation, so be it. Mm-hmm. Did he did he know something? Was he speaking also athletically in addition? Because as I understand it, at a time, he was the university president, right? So um, he'd be aware of these issues. Obviously, and as he university be, president, you've got to well, be aware of athletics. I, not, I not only was he president of BYU, he was president during probably the greatest decade of BYU history in the 1980s, 80 to 89. Oh, 80 to 89 is when he yeah. Okay, so I know it was before my time here, but I understand he was president you of got, the you university. You go to a lot of holiday bowls. Right, so Whoa, he certainly would understand. Yeah, right. yeah, he'd understand athletics. Uh, a sweet well, he would be he would be aware basketball. of he'd be oh, aware yeah. of multiple discussions behind the scenes the last time there was a go around with the Big Twelve. There'd be no way he wouldn't get himself up to speed on that at some point. So maybe w- as it was would, happening, would what he's saying did he mean more than just academically? Because he was speaking to uh, the faculty, right? 
That's what he was doing. Well, I would think the answer saying. to that would be yes. I just I don't, don't I wouldn't think he would throw something like that in just to throw something like that in. It's pretty well, but easy it may, to, may have just meant... It may have yeah. been applying to something else, but it seems like it applies here. Yeah, I've got an MSN story up right now. If maintaining the face policy on the LGBTQ members, that it's not a sin to have same-sex attraction, but acting on it is, cost the school some, quote, professional associations and cert- certifications, certifications, well, that, so that could have to do with some academic stuff as well, though. Well, cer- certifications, obviously, but right. professional associations. If you're university president, there's probably nobody around who understands the balance of academics and athletics than university presidents. And uh, he was for a decade. Not that long ago. Then so be it. So would you advise Tom to go or no? All of this has to be considered. Most likely, right. but I would need more info. But right now, it looks like and, the right thing to and, go. And what what does ESPN think? They they they're a partner, for better or worse. They're a partner. I don't know that I trust ESPN because I think it goes back to. I told Gordon yesterday we we're talking about it on the air. I said, if you find five people in your life that want what's best for you at all times and have no personal agenda whatsoever if you find five of them in your life you're lucky that's true they have zero agenda only exclusively what's best for you and i don't know that i trust espn to have byu's best interest exclusively i don't right period so they're a partner but how much do you completely trust they're a business partner yes they are a business partner and they're looking out for their business, number one. I think in this particular case, it's a wash for BYU, or, or for ESPN, what BYU does. Really? Yes. Interesting. Well, okay, wait. I, 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 I'll back that up a little bit. All right, go ahead. Who's going to own the conference TV rights when they come up to bid next time? That would be the factor. Because the Big 12's down to, what, three or four, four years, I think, now? So... If ESPNs are going to own the own the TV rights to that league, or at least buy some games, the way they've gotten a few games to the Mountain West Conference, even though they're not the primary holder for a long time, they got a few games. I think they aren't now. Actually, I think Fox is getting a few games from CBS now. Um, all that matters to BYU is do they or all that matters to ESPN is do they right have the right to televise BYU in that late TV slot? So if they're going to have the rights to the league then it doesn't really matter to ESPN whether they're in the league or not in the league because they're going to have the rights to BYU in that late TV slot. If they're not planning on having the rights to that league, then they would definitely prefer the BYU well, stay they have independent. some rights. I don't know that they have exclusive rights. Right. Uh, I would be interested from the BYU perspective what needs to happen for us to be able to get back this relationship if something over here happens. The SEC decides we're just we're going for it, man. We're taking Ohio State and Michigan, Penn State, yeah. and then the Big Ten's thinking, okay, well, we still got some we got Wisconsin, we got Michigan State. We're better off when than the Big Twelve minus the two were uh, with the remaining eight in the Big 12. So the Big 10 still wants to stay intact. So we pick up Cincinnati, West Virginia, and away we go. Mm-hmm. And so then the Big 12 gets raided again. Yeah. And at that point, BYU is saying, well, wait a second, man. This isn't the Big 12 that we knew. 
uh, that we agreed to come to. So what happens? What do we need to do to get back to independent? Because life as an independent is not bad. It's not the greatest, you know, but it's, it's not bad. It's funny. It was, seems like it's I getting thinking, better. I was thinking about this the other day. It was that at first it seemed great. Then it seemed horrible. And it seems to have leveled out. And maybe that's just following the winning and we're being too influenced by that and being influenced by the newness of it at the start. Well, I think that it is, in my mind, it's gotten better. It's, it's, I see what you're saying, leveling out. But I think since leveling out, it's gotten better because you hired a coaching staff that knew full well. Before, you had a coaching staff that was like, wait a second, we're this winning, was imposed we're on win, us. We're winning yeah. Mountain West titles left and right here. Yeah. We're winning 11 games, almost 10, game, 10, 11 games every year, literally, and then you change it on us. What the crap? Now that he couldn't, Bronco couldn't say that, but clearly he thought it. And and then Tom went into hibernation. And after every day when they had media, imagine that you had every day media during training camp. What every single day? Huh? Yeah. And and Bronco was forced to be. Nobody wanted to know about the team. We want to know about independence. Independence. Yeah. Remember him saying that? I right? do. Well, yeah. It was a one word yeah, drop. Yak yeah, has it in yeah. there. Independence. Uh, it was like, like oh gosh, oh, here we go again. Can't I talk about the injuries <laughs> right. on the depth chart? Right. He wants to talk about football as a football coach, not an athletic director. So. Those guys took off. Kalani Sataki comes in. They force guys on his staff that he, that don't belong there. Then they change over that. They get Jeff Grimes in there. They get A-Rod in there. They get guys who know what they're doing. Ed Lamb and so forth. Tuiaki grows up as a defensive coordinator because it was the first time he was a coordinator. And obviously from year one to year five, unless you're completely incompetent, you're yeah, much better. You're getting better, right? Right. Yeah. And they're getting kids back. They're identifying. They had guys down there that were offering scholarships more than people were passing out candy at Halloween. And they're still dealing with that, but they've gotten through, a, what, 75, 80%, I'm not sure of the uh, percentage, but they've gotten through that. They've clean, cleaned that up to a good degree, not completely, because there's a kid down at Corner Canyon that they want, but they're out of scholarships and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, it's not completely done. And don't at me, because this is right out of their mouths. They've been telling <laughs> me this stuff here. Sometimes, you know, I mess around, but other times I just repeat what they tell me. And so that's what's out there. So the program today is in a much better shape than it was when they went into independent and then when Kalani first got the job. So that's why I wouldn't just leap blindly. I would make sure everything is researched a thousand times over because independence isn't the best, but it's certainly at worst, it's not bad right now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. David Locke, ahead of his time. We'll see what he thinks about college sports ahead of his time as well. And uh, off-season grades for free agents. Man, the Jazz got some, got some plaudits there. We can talk to him about that as well. Jed Fish, Arizona football coach at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Former BYU quarterback John Beck with us. Tell us everything you know about Jaron Hall. You've been working with him. You've worked with a fellow named Zach before that and seemed to have some pretty good success. What are you seeing with Jaron? I'm excited with the skill set that he brings to the position. It's a guy that's been around football for years, but in terms of how much football he's done over the past few years, it's been limited because of injuries. So I see the skill set. He worked really hard this offseason. I've heard that things are going really well for him this camp. So for me, it's going to be, let's see what the offense looks like with him at the helm. 
It's not going to look exactly like Zach, but Jaron brings an athleticism that is somewhat close to some of the things that Zach did. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to bring in David Locke, his weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. And he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. How are you? Well, I'm all right. Um, I need your insight. I want I want your thoughts, or I want I want you to tell me if I'm wrong. That's not so how read, sports talk radio works, and you know it, Dave. I know, but you know what? I don't play by the rules. You know that. That's um, so true. that's a good big, point. <laughs> big Big Twelve expansion. Um. So my quick take is the Big Twelve at this point is really not any different than the Mountain West, right? Like Oklahoma State is San Diego State, and Texas Tech is Boise State, and it's not that different. So it's not great. It's kind of going back to where you went started from. But the reality is you can't go back to where you started from because you just would have to be eating too much crow. So this is the and – and have we decided that guys like me that were really big pro independence guys were wrong? Like have we come to that conclusion that independence is not viable? Or is it – or does that – does independence become more – the right choice because you know it's just all these power conferences and you're better off being independent if you're not going to be in one of the four well i think that brands are powerful and i think the big 12 is a even watered down it's a better brand than the mountain west so i just don't think they're they're the same thing i'd like to think that because i still you know there's a piece of me that still likes to watch san diego state football in those black and red uniforms but I mean, realistically, the the Big 12 is a better spot, and I think the networks will pay them a lot more money than they're ever going to pay the Mountain West. So I guess I have to reject your initial assumption. Right. What do you think, PK? Okay. Well, I think you have to consider the financial aspects of it. BYU, for this last decade, clearly made more money as an independent than they would have been as a part of the Mountain West. And will they make more money as a member of the new Big 12, which isn't the same as this, the Big 12 as we know it, obviously, but it still has contracts and then going forward can get a better contract than they could as an independent or as a member of the Mountain West. And I think the answers to that question are yes. So that's why you do it. Who's the, I haven't got all the details. Who's the, is there another player or two or three? Yes. Like to make this yes. work? Who, yes. What are the other pieces of the puzzle? Well, Cincinnati, Houston, uh, Central Florida is a sleeping giant down there because they want, and Memphis possibly, they Central Florida wants big time. And obviously that gives you a pipeline down there and uh, gives you all sorts of credibility, I think. Is, is Boise Stall, I agree okay, with all Boise, that. I think sure, is yeah, Boise, Boise State interested uh, for basketball scheduling? It would certainly help. Um, but I just think for brands and TV value in football, it would help because you'd have two teams and only, you know, one can be home every other week. 
that would enable you to have games in that fourth TV window, which makes your contract worth more money. Oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, the whole old school idea that having Central Florida and BYU being far away from each other and that's a problem is actually now a positive because of the fact mm, it's, that then it's, you have different TV windows? It's both at the same time. Uh, it is a positive and it is a negative. I, I didn't realize this until I was reading up on it, but a lot of the teams in Big 12, especially Oklahoma and Texas, who are now out, but a lot of teams have been complaining about the 11 a.m. kickoffs the same way we complain about 8.30 kickoffs here. So... The, it would be a far-flung league, and that's a problem. But if you have a team in the Eastern Time Zone, they can kick off at noon, and then you don't have to kick off in that at eleven o'clock. So right. um, I don't mean to be like I don't mean to be like uh, the West Coast ignorant ignoramus here. Um, are any of the other schools in the East Coast Time Zone that you're mentioning? I don't think so, right? Since unless Cincinnati, Cincinnati's not, are they? Cincinnati, are they? Uh, I thought that's. I mean, I know Kentucky. That's plays right on it. That weird. Cleveland they is. They play around with like they switch, right? Cleveland is. Kentucky switch. Cleveland is east. Yeah. I know that for sure. So I assume Cincinnati is too. Right. That they're Eastern time zone. Right. So, right. So, I mean, really, what you're saying, I mean, I understand that they have to do Houston because of the Texas politics of this whole thing. But what they really should be doing is adding two east and two mountain, and then they span three time zones, and then yeah. they at least have something. Cincinnati is Eastern Daylight. So Cincinnati could kick off at noon, so just c- like UCF. So Cincinnati, Central Florida, Boise. BYU and now you've blown great. off Houston and you've just messed up the politics. Or do you go right. to a thirteen-team so league? You can't do it. You can't do it. So it's BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, Central well, Florida is the right answer, and BYU's traveling partner has to become somebody in Texas, and it sucks. Well, they've sort of done away with traveling partners now with basketball. A lot of leagues have. A lot of leagues yeah. have. It's not like it used to be Thursday, Saturday, New Mexico and El Paso. Yeah. It's a true story. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I you know, clearly the Big 12 has got to do something to survive, right? They're on the island and they're building their hut. So they better they better figure out what it's going to be or they're um and that, you know, what you're talking about makes probably the most sense of anything. And frankly, the you know, these are my point of views here are all from 30,000 feet. I'm not following it closely other than maybe reading an article or frankly listening to various lockdown podcasts. Just Nice plug. Kids. Good work. Well, no, I mean, truly, that is my knowledge. Like, I'm just reviewing the network and just happened to be listening to, like, Locked On ACC or Locked On Big 12 this week and listen to what they said. I mean, the feeling from the Big 12 guys was, wow, they didn't really announce anything. Thank goodness. I thought this was going to be our death nail. And the reaction from the ACC people were like, wow, they didn't announce anything. I don't know what this is. So I think, you know, the timing's right to still stay alive a little bit. If you're BYU, though, I think that we've been talking about how independence was something that clearly Bronco Mendenhall didn't want, and he took off. He took off for more cash, too. Uh, And then all the people who have been hired since know full well, as relative to football, that this is exactly what you're getting into, so you better make it work and don't take the job. And so when Kalani got the job, they saddled him with some people that maybe weren't ex- as experienced as they should be, and they sucked. They got through that, and now it seems like the program's in a better spot. Uh, and the Big 12 isn't in as good of a spot. So with that in mind, before with Texas and Oklahoma, it's a no-brainer. But now, not so sure that necessarily it's in BYU's best interest. probably is, but it isn't the slam dunk that it was. I mean— the one thing I think was really clear where I, you know, I was a huge proponent of independence. Like I really thought this was the answer for BYU and still think there's a lot of reasons why it is. 
The one thing I think I missed, but I'm not sure matters, is how detrimental the WCC was to the other sports. And I feel like that hurt them. Like, so being part of the Big 12 across the board might be really great. Okay. That probably yeah. doesn't move the meter of importance because, frankly, it's... It's all about football. football. It's all about football. Yeah. Right. Well, I think basketball, men's basketball, was hurt by the WCC, but I'm not sure. I think other sports have flourished and done just fine. I mean, soccer team just beat USC, and the volleyball team's been going Sweet 16, Elite Eight, so... Okay. In so both. Men's and women's. Yes, yeah, yeah. Men's, yeah, men's is a whole different deal as far as conference I mean, alliances. Does, I mean, there's no question... I guess what I was really trying to say, and I probably just stated a little too strongly, there's no question being part of the Big 12 better than being part of the WCC. I think that's even a in the big, Even in yeah. the Big 12's reduced state. Like, there's just, that's not a debate. Yeah, Tom will have to do the math on what the travel costs turn into if he's flying teams all over the place. Uh, but I assume that the TV money is going to at least double and maybe more than that. Maybe, maybe get close to tripling or two and a half times. Um, you know, that all needs to be figured out in the next TV contract, so it can't be known for sure right now. But I think if you want basketball, it's an absolute no brainer. Texas Tech has been to the end, Baylor's won it. It'll be a great basketball. State's decent. Kansas is very good, obviously. Kansas State has had a run. It'll be a great basketball league. And and you know what? I think Mark Pope's probably up to the challenge, so it'd be great. I believe he is. I Um, agree with that. Um, I think the um, I think the interesting. I mean, that's incredible. Actually, when you kind of say it like that, that's really incredible, right? Like you'd have all this here. All right, so let's go back to Pac-12 expansion. Like we knew the math. Like it was, I remember, like what, that covering that so closely, and like the you just had these moving pieces, and it was really evident, and it was obvious it was going to happen, and it was obvious, like, well, if Texas and Oklahoma come, Utah's in trouble. If they don't come in Colorado, it was clear Colorado was coming, right? And so, like, how do you become – if Texas and Oklahoma came at the time, I think it was that Oklahoma State had to come also, and then Colorado came and you knew Utah was out of luck. And then there was, like, the pieces, right? And you just knew Utah was, like, the perfect piece to go with Colorado. And so if Colorado was going to go and nobody else came, you knew Utah was in. Like, you just had to be in the right place. So the scenario we're talking about of, like, Central Florida, Cincinnati, Houston – BYU doesn't fit right. Like, is there a fourth? Who knocks BYU out of this equation that becomes the fourth team that fits better? Like, the, the problem what we're talking about here is that BYU doesn't actually have that like Colorado tie-in. I think that matters. It. I think that matters less. And the last go round, I was told that BYU is number eleven, but they couldn't figure out who twelve was. And we had a guy on from Texas, a beat writer, a columnist down there. Maybe y'all can remember who it was. And I asked him. I said, I heard. I've heard that. And he said. I've heard that too. I think the money for BYU is so overwhelming. I just I think this league has to go to twelve, and there's no way there's four teams more valuable than BYU. There's no, there's no well, way. yeah, but wait a second here, man. You got the Sunday issue. You got the social issues with the LGBTQT mm-hmm. and all that. So does that outweigh? Does the money outweigh what would some perceive as well, baggage? I believe it does, but I don't think that uh, I can prove that. That's just my opinion. Okay. Who's the fourth team that knocks BYU out? I don't think there is one. Boise. Oh, they're not taking Boise over BYU. Oh, God. <laughs> that would be the worst moment in BYU history. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine what nasty youth fans would do to Cougars? 
<laughs> It'd be like T-shirts. I chose Boise over BYU. Big 12 conference. Uh, well, yeah, but if they decide to Sunday play and the the talk by the church leader earlier this week riled up a bunch of folks, and I don't think it's out of the realm. I mean, Boise's off the top of my head. I don't know that. No, it's not out of the realm. That's a little bit why I think I had that reaction. <laughs> like, I, I would actually, isn't there anybody else? I would just think they wouldn't come Mountain. Like, right, if you're not right. going to take BYU, so who's Well, Memphis. Team? Memphis. Oh, yeah, so that's a real threat. That, to me, is... No, Central Florida, Memphis, Cincinnati, Houston, and no BYU, that, like, now, like, that's that's daunting. The fact that Boise doesn't have enough clout to make it a no-brainer the way Colorado did. Like, the nice thing for Utah is they were second fiddle to the big dog that they wanted, right? They they wanted Colorado, and Utah just happened to be in the right place at yeah. the right time yeah, to get yeah, in. Yeah. And they got BYU, in. unfortunately, doesn't have that. Like, BYU can't play, ride the coattails of another team in the way Utah rode the coattails of Colorado into the Big 12. So that's a that's a real problem for BYU that Boise's not, not worthy enough of kind of driving this train and making it a no-brainer. Memphis is pretty – Memphis with, like, where they are, location, I – Oh, I'm. I hadn't. Oh, that's not good. This doesn't feel nearly as good as the conversation when it started, guys. I think they're in trouble. <laughs> the, the mind of David Locke is like <laughs> nobody I've ever known. There's no question about that. <laughs> I don't want to ask why, but like, really, like, I mean, Cincinnati, Memphis, Houston, Central Florida. That's that works logically. It gives them like what they need. And I'm not sure that BYU. I mean, BYU is brings them a little bit more money, I would guess, and that stadium's gorgeous, and maybe a little some. But DJ's pointed out, like, also brings a lot of, a lot of stuff, like a lot of like actually PK and pointed doesn't, and doesn't fit geographically at all. And maybe that would be the strongest if I were building the argument, which I don't think would carry the day. But if I were building the argument that they just don't want to get too far flung. And they're gonna focus, you know, Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, kind of a quarter up the, and and Florida's a no-brainer. UCF has had so much success, and the the thought of recruiting there is so tantalizing. Yeah, I actually think geographically BYU plays to the advantage because you'd want a team in the Mountain Time Zone. Klyovkov has been running around telling everybody we've got the Pacific and the Mountain. Yeah, as if the Mountain was some big uh, I know. gold mine. <laughs> I know. I know he has. <laughs> you spend what you got, yeah. and that's what he's doing. I mean, so I, I do really think should, the advantage. So what he really should be doing is going and getting the Central Time Zone and grabbing Oklahoma State, and they thought about it the, and then thought for about two seconds and decided to say no. The thing about that is they don't need to do that right now. Oklahoma State will be there whenever they want them. Sure, hundred point. Yeah, great point. Great point. Here's the other thing. How about the Big Twelve think ahead and look ahead? Streaming's coming. Now, I don't know if it's 2030, 2035, but man, by 2040, it's not going to be about cable and satellite bundles. Streaming is coming. So BYU is more valuable in a streaming world than it is in the cable satellite world. The ability to get 10 or 20 or 30 or whatever this is going to turn out a month from BYU fans, the 5,000 of them in Tennessee and the 20,000 of them in Arizona who will pay, and the 50,000 in L.A. who will pay, and the 5,000 in Idaho will pay. Everywhere BYU goes, they draw 5,000 fans unless they draw 10. I have a great joke right now, but I'm too scared to do it in our climate of jokes, so I'm just going to leave it out. 
they all are meeting in the ward house, and they're oh. only paying one person's only paying twenty dollars a month, and they're all meeting together. So you don't get to, you don't get five thousand. They're all just coming together. Just kidding. No, I think you're right. I think you're one hundred percent right. Like I think that actually does have. Both of you just sold. Like if I'm homo, that's what you're selling, right? You're selling streaming and time zone. And you're literally, I think what you got to actually do is say, hey, we're willing to play every single one of our home games at 7.30 at night. 7.30 whose time? Mountain or whatever, right? So No, it's got to be 8.30 to be in the last two right, five, 8.30, whatever, whatever. They're already you know, doing that, right? Not, not every right. game. So, but, I mean, that's Most. your selling point is we're going to take – we're we're 100% willing to take the late-night window in every single time. It's not in the afternoon anymore. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, honestly, play have, that for David Locke. <laughs> find that. Find that drop. Come on, you can do it. I'm – I agree with this, by the way. Okay, last thing. One jazz question for you. Uh, there's been some national media out there grading all the free agents, and I was surprised to see the jazz getting graded as an A, as a top 10 and all that, for re-signing their guys and a couple guys who may get, you know, who will get some minutes. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I wasn't surprised they got a favorable but I was surprised it was that over the top, that high, that, wow, yes, boom. What'd you think? So I think they get an A for disaster averted would be my first take, right? There was a real <laughs> chance this offseason could have been catastrophic. Uh, um, so I finally um, got I, A's in school if that was the gradient. <laughs> criteria. Disaster averted. PK, you and I should have been graded on that scale. Like every time I took an English test, there was a real chance for now. Um uh, spelling tests, there were like anything above C minus should have been an A, like just for survival sakes. Um, and any grammar test, I certainly, anyway. Um, so I do think that disaster averted gives them a pretty good grade. Like they kept themselves in the top two or three teams in the Western Conference from a projection standpoint. Um, number two, um, I'm really curious to watch us on Whiteside. Like my instinct is that I actually think he's going to be better than Derek Favors. Um, because he's just bigger and longer. And so we play the drop big with him and just matches more naturally. And he's just as good an offensive rebounder, maybe at times better. Um, I just don't know if there's a chance his knees are just gone. Like I, my feeling is he didn't play in Sacramento because of Sacramento, not because he didn't play in Sacramento because he's not very good anymore. Um, and he was really good a year before in Portland. So my instinct there is we actually got better. Um, that might be wrong. I mean, you, whoever plays backup center to the Jazz just looks so bad because the starting center is the best, one of the best defensive players in the history of the game and is so great at everything he does that you look so bad in comparison. So, I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know what the analogy would be. I could use some sexist terminology of somebody being a co-star to Halle Berry in the 90s, right? But um, it's just like... Rudy's so great that Derek looked not very good all year, and I don't actually know that Derek wasn't very good or just Rudy's that great. Um, so I do kind of feel like Hassan Whiteside might be an upgrade there, and then I think Rudy Gay adds a versatility to the roster that we didn't have. So it, they probably deserve a pretty good grade in disaster averted. They re-signed Mike Conley. They didn't lose any starters. They didn't lose any main rotation players. They added roster versatility, and I think they might have upgraded at backup center, which is hard for me because I love Derek, but I think – he just wasn't didn't feel very good last year. But again, I, that just again could be because Rudy's so great that nobody looks very good. 
Well, I think if you take that to its natural conclusion, David, it's that the Jazz perimeter defense is worse than we know because Gobert covers up so much that we don't 100%. realize right away. I mean, so this is this. So I've talked about this a lot, but I'll just I'll do a short version of it if I'm actually possible for me to do so. DJ's chuckling. TK's saying not a chance. <laughs> and Jake so, wanted to go to break three minutes ago. Go ahead. Yeah, whatever. Two and a half. <laughs> Two and a half years ago, we made five roster changes that were all offensive changes away from defensive players. It was the correct thing to do as a team because the great defensive team just simply wasn't good enough offensively to be able to beat a good offensive team. We, even though the defense had a great night, our offense just wasn't up good enough. So since then, over the last two seasons, whenever Rudy's been off the floor, we have just been horrific defensively. And... That's what we built, and the concept was that Rudy could cover it up, and they built it 100% right. But that is the issue, is that it may not matter who the center is if they're not the greatest defensive player in the world because we got our defense just can't stop anyone unless it's Rudy doing it, and that's what became so obvious in Game 6 against the Clippers. And when they removed Rudy while he was on the floor from the action, we got exposed. They basically did. You know, what was clear is that we're not good defensively unless Rudy's impacting everything, and they eliminated Rudy's impact. So, yes, did we address that issue? I don't think so. So that'll still be. But there's a very, you know, the unfortunate thing was that we ran into the one team that could expose it. I'm actually not sure there was another team in the NBA that could have exposed it the way the Clippers did, and I'm not sure they could have exposed it if Serge Ibaka hadn't gotten hurt, frankly. Like, there was some fortuitous stuff for them as well that, you know, they lost one of their guys, and so they kind of were forced into this. Um, but Phoenix would have kept DeAndre Ayton on the floor. The Lakers would have kept various players on the floor, and if Anthony Davis wants to spread out to the outside and never come in, that's fine. Um, the Denver with Jokic can't like can't move him out of the game. I mean, and without Jamal Murray, they wouldn't have been the same. So um, Dallas probably could do it a little bit with Chris Stapps. That was not a matchup I wanted. So, you know, in Portland with uh, Nurkic probably couldn't have done it, and Robert Covington wasn't going to really play center. So, um, uh, you know, so I, I'm not sure there's another team. Draymond can't shoot well enough to do it. So I, I'm not sure there's another team other than the Clippers that could have actually done what they did to us. By the way, quick note: Portland's better than anyone thinks. There. Okay. See you, <laughs> David Locke. <laughs> One of a kind. So, at the end, did he have BYU in the Big Twelve then? He wants them to go, but he doesn't know if they're going to go, if they're going to get the invite. I think they're going to get the invite. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Jed Fish, University of Arizona football coach, coming up in about 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON on your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, PK. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk football with your Jersey brother from another mother, (laughs) Jed Fish. You have been looking forward to this for weeks. Well, actually, a long time because once he got hired and I did the research on him, I knew he was from the area, and then I find out he goes to the same school as my sister. This sucks because... 
I don't know that I can root against them. <laughs> you have to. You're in a, it's ASU. Yeah. You're ASU. He's Arizona. I know, but I always thought, and it'll never happen, obviously, but I always thought if the Devils went 12-0 and and the Cats went 11-1, and I'm fine with it. Yeah, right? I'd sign off on that. Not that it'll ever happen. I, I, get, I get that, but if you're going to get everything you want, who cares if your rival gets almost so, everything so then, they want, and then you snatch it away at the end? Maybe uh, maybe that's what I want. I mean, he's a Jersey guy, and he's fun, and I'm going to have a hard time rooting against that. What can I tell you? He's got to sell the program, and he's doing radio in Utah. He's got to recruit. He's got to sell it. He's got an uh, unbelievable amount of energy. Jed Fish, next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to talk Arizona football with Jed Fish, the head coach of the Wildcats. Coach, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Sorry I wasn't able to do it uh, at the media day. My voice uh, wasn't cooperating with me back then. Well, Coach, if you would have been at me today and we were down there, we broadcast all day. College football up in Salt Lake City is huge, as you can imagine, particularly with the Utes getting into the Pac-12. But you would have gone face-to-face as somebody who's one of your own because this is PK, and I got extensive roots in North Jersey to the point, Coach, my sister, two, I got two older sisters, one went to Morris Catholic High. I'm sure you're very familiar with that. Yeah, wow. Well, Coach, I'm not going to stop there. My other sister, Hanover Park High School. No way. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. From Hanover uh, all the way to Utah, down to Tucson. It's like a big triangle. That is a big triangle. That's awesome. That is awesome. My mom still lives there. Oh, cool. uh, Yeah. She lives in Morristown still. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, before you think that you and I can be friends, you did what most people in Jersey do. You went to Florida. My parents, between 8th and ninth grade, they decided to move to Arizona. And here's where the bad news comes in, Coach. I'm an Arizona State grad. Oh, boy. That's when I thought we had something going. You know, I, I, thought that, I thought we had a chance there, and now... I don't know what we do anymore. <laughs> well, I just had to set the ground rules ahead of time. So we're sort of brothers, but then we had a, we kind of went our separate ways. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's okay, though. That's all right. We'll, we'll figure out what we can do to make it work here <laughs> um, and, and see if we can uh, help you guys out a little bit with what's going on with football. I'm curious what it's like for you trying to uh, fit in in Arizona, figure out how things are. I mean, it's something you have experience with. I look at your resume, and you have spent about a quarter of a century bouncing to every corner of the country. You've, uh, you've coached in Florida, you in, in college and the pros. Most recently, you were at the Patriots. I think people are aware of that. You've been in the middle of the country coaching in Michigan. You've been out to UCLA. So is this second nature? Do you have to go in somewhere and figure out a new place and new people? <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the, the easy part is for me, um, it's obviously always more challenging for my wife and kids um, as they don't have the – really the ability to just kind of lock yourself in an office and be around football. you know a bunch of football coaches and have immediate friends um they have to actually do the hard work and meet friends and go to school and um my, you know my wife has to meet parents of kids and other people in the community and find doctors etc but um you know we have we have done it a, a few times and 
Uh, we've been on different teams at different universities or different professional teams, and um, we've really enjoyed our moves. We've enjoyed our time and meeting new people. We always feel that's a huge benefit for our own kids. Um, that when they're when it's all said and done, you know, I've been an offensive coordinator in the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the NFL. Um, so, and I've coached in uh, all those conferences as well as the SEC. So, you sit there and you're like, you know, you girls are going to have a lot of opportunities in life, and uh, you should know somebody from some walk of life somewhere along the line. So, I've been following. Arizona football along with the Sun Devils, obviously the whole Pac-12 since they went to from uh, the two Arizona schools went into the Pac-10 back in the late 70s. As I watched the football team last year, you know, with the rivalry game, that, that got away, obviously. But as I look at the Arizona game with the USC, man, that was right down to the end. And if, uh, the Trojans were fortunate, very fortunate to get out of there. I saw Plummer play a little bit, Bandy. And so I know there's some talent there. What type of talent do you have going into this season to be able to be competitive as far as what you're looking for? Yeah, well, you know, there, there's two things to that. The first thing is we'd certainly, um, you know, we really were a minute and a half away, down three or up three points against yeah. SC, 30-27 or whatever it might have been. Had a chance to make an interception at the end of the game. Didn't do it. Uh, don't, don't win the game. But I, I think there's a feeling of competitiveness for sure at that moment in time. Uh Whatever happened throughout the rest of the year, I was not really aware of that. I wasn't here. Um, what I do know, though, is we've got some good returning players. We also brought in 18 transfers. Um, so we hit the transfer portal pretty hard. Um, 18 of our 117 players transferred in. Seven of our, let's call it, starters on defense uh, transferred in from other programs. Um, so... We kind of we're not going to look very similar to the team of last year, and then on uh, in terms of our personnel defensively, offensively, I think we you know our quarterback Gunnar Cruz transferred in from Washington State. He and Will Plummer will show some time. Um, our running back, we've got um, you know Michael Wiley returning, but then we've also brought a couple freshmen that have, that are competing, and then we brought a running back in from Northwestern that transferred in, who was the leading rusher at Northwestern. And then we've got a tight end that transferred in from UNLV. And um, then we've got all of our receivers have returned. So I do believe that uh, the team won't look exactly the same as it looked in the past. So, and you mentioned all the starters on defense that have transferred in. The the rep, and reps aren't always accurate, but there's usually some truth to them. The rep on Arizona was, no matter what they did on defense, it doesn't matter if you don't make the tackle, and they just missed too many tackles. Have you, have you made that a major emphasis here out of the gate? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that was the rep. But what I did know was, um, you know, when you come from working for Bill Belichick, you understand the importance of fundamentals, and you understand the importance of tackling. And uh, we practice tackling every day in the NFL, so we practice it twice every day here in college. So we are um, we're tackling Jesse's. And we do everything we can to, to practice tackling, to drill tackling, to work on tackling, and to do everything to become good tacklers. Now, until you actually go against another team, and until you're tackling live every play, all the things that go involved, go into it, you'll never know. But we got to build it the right way. We got to build it with you know a tough physical mindset, and 
that's going to come from, um, you know, knowing how to tackle and knowing how to run the football. And if you can run the ball and stop the run, you got a chance to be pretty physically tough. Oh, yeah, that's that's been Kyle Whittingham's uh, mantra for literally his whole life, I think since he came from the womb, run the ball and stop the run. So we know all about that. He's drilled that into our heads, and we've been doing this show almost 20 years, so we've been on the radio as long as he's been a head coach here. We understand that. You talk about splitting time with these quarterbacks, and obviously you got BYU, you got Utah later in the season, but you got the Cougars, who we also cover intensely here in our market, and you got them right off the bat. When you say you're going to a split time with the quarterback. Do you have a set plan? You can or take it how it goes. Um, you know, there's a let's call it like an overall outline of how we can you know make it work. Um, this is not the first time that I've been on a team that's done that. Uh, we did it at Florida when we won the SEC championship in 2000 um, with Jesse Palmer, Rex Grossman. Did it in Florida when we. Um, came in, I think we beat the number one team in the country in Florida State with Noah Brindice and Doug Johnson alternating reps. Um, and then there, we did it at Michigan in 2016 in our first game with John O'Corn and Wilton State. Uh, I think what it just comes down to is we just need to make sure that um, the person that's starting we're most comfortable with, I don't want them looking over their shoulder and thinking that they're named the starter and if thing doesn't go well, all of a sudden they're benched. Um, I don't think that's the right way to handle that. I think it's a much better situation when you have two guys that both competed really hard and let them both go and let them both see how it goes and we'll take one game at a time. So I read a story that said that um, you really, this was kind of plan B, you would have rather picked somebody, but you didn't feel like you could look the guys in the eye and explain to them what the difference was. So yeah. You know, I, I just felt as if it was a situation that it was easy to tell the person who the starter was. The problem was telling the guy why he wasn't the starter. And, I, you know, when you don't really have a great reason, I just don't feel like you should do it. Uh, you know, we're in year one here, and we're building trust and respect for one another. Um, we talk about, you know, respect being our number one value here. And I, I just didn't feel like, you know, going there and just telling a guy because I said so or because I felt that way was a good enough reason. And I just, um, I, I, I feel like we're, we've got two young players. They both have four years of eligibility left and each. And we also are, um, we're in year one. And I just feel it's more important right now to do what I would consider the right thing than just what I would have considered the easy thing and just name a guy. So because of my association with Arizona, I got 40 years in this thing, and I can I can recite all the good things and the bad things. And one of the things, and it's the Devils have struggled with it too, and I harp on it a lot, it's the in-state recruiting. I mean, I can look at the quarterback at Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oregon, Texas Tech. Those guys, Ohio State's got one. They're all kids within the state, and it's hard to keep these kids. Now, I understand you got a four-star linebacker commit. I know you can't talk about it the other day out of California. I think you got like 15 commits so far, something along those lines, or maybe 22 commits. I don't, I don't remember. I read when I read the story, but you got a lot of commits, uh, a lot of enthusiasm. A lot of enthusiasm. You managed to have a bunch of students out at the uh, game. You brought back the alumni and Teddy Bruschi and a couple of guys on your staff. How do you think all of that is going to be able to translate into be able to keep kids home? Because there's a lot of talent in the state, as I'm sure you know. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt, and it's become a huge priority for us. Um, of the guys that have transferred to us, um, I think seven of them are from the state of Arizona that have come back um, from, you know, Drake Anderson to Gunnar Maldonado to Jason Harris to um, Alex Lines to Gunnar Cruz. Um, and then there's, I'm sure there's some others that I'm, you know, not popping in my head right now that have got Rossi Hodges and that have transferred back here um, from the state. We also obviously are attacking recruiting pretty hard in the state. Um, currently, we, both of our quarterbacks, uh, Gunner and Will, are from the state of Arizona. Um, Gunner went to Washington State, came back. Will came here immediately. Um, but we, we need to do it. There, there's no reason. You know, there's no reason not to go to Arizona. If you're from Arizona, um, you know, if you're going to pick a state school. If you're going to go to a state school, why wouldn't you go to a state school in this state? It's a lot easier for your parents. Um, your parents don't have to fly. Your parents don't have to rent a car. Your parents don't have to rent a hotel room or get a hotel room. Um, you get to be the person that waves the flag for your university. And if we can turn this thing around, get to a Rose Bowl, and you're the when you want to when you're done with football and you're going to go back and live in Arizona, you could be part of the you know class that won the Rose Bowl. And if you go win a Rose Bowl with another team, you know at another institution, then no one's going to really care when you come back to the state of Arizona. They're going to ask you why you didn't go to Arizona. So that's what our mentality is, and that's what our you know that's what we're selling. And um, we got guys like Rob Gronkowski and Teddy Bruschi and um, on board with us. And that hasn't been really easy. We hired Chuck Cecil and Ricky Hunley and Brandon Sanders. And um, we feel really good about, you know, the energy and the enthusiasm around the program. The Gronk stuff was uh, genius. Congratulations on that. That was brilliant. We could, uh, we know you got another commitment. You got to run. Uh, PK could talk Jersey with you for the next Well, half in the hour. meantime, we'll go that. Hornets, right, Coach? <laughs> go Hornets. And, I mean, is it is it a diner for you? Is it a pizza spot? What, I mean, what, what's your favorite place? About, what's your favorite thing about Jersey? Oh, he wants to go. Oh, down. Jersey? Oh, my God. Well, my mother's Italian, so that ought to tell you. Uh, yeah, well, it's certainly the Italian food. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> I, I got, I'm cut from the Parcells clone. My father was all Irish, grandmother all Italian, and they met uh, down in the Oranges. So uh, anything along those lines or, or heading down to the boardwalk and picking up a cheesesteak? I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for your time. Uh, thank you. All right. Bye-bye. There's Arizona's football coach, Jed Fish. He joined us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Did you ever notice how for such a small state there's so many of us? Yes, and I've noticed how many of you have left. Everybody wants out. Everybody can get that's out. That's not of, true. Get now. That's not true at there's all. There's Jersey people that's everywhere. They're all leaving. That's not true. It's not More true. More replace them. I get that. It's not I'm true at all. Failing. That is not true at all. you got to go where work is, and I'm... I'm 13 years old, so sorry, Ma, I'm staying behind. <laughs> you didn't go back. You've been an adult. I didn't have a job. Did you try to get one? I tried all over the country. The Bergen record? All over the country. I delivered the uh, Morse County daily record. There was a bunch of records, and when I was a kid, they I had all that by the paper. same people? I don't know that, but uh, probably it sounded like it would have been. Yeah. But for and, they had, and Bergen is a county. That's where I think Woj worked. Uh, Whoa, yeah, he's got Jersey roots.
All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, breaking news, PK. We'll get to that coming up. Well, I think it's pretty big. Yeah, yeah. Who just, who just got uh, let go? Parted ways is the euphemism being used. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Former BYU quarterback John Beck with us. Tell us everything you know about Jaron Hall. You've been working with him. You've worked with a fellow named Zach before that and seemed to have some pretty good success. What are you seeing with Jaron? I'm excited with the skill set that he brings to the position. It's a guy that's been around football for years, but in terms of how much football he's done over the past few years, it's been limited because of injuries. So I see the skill set. He worked really hard this offseason. I've heard that things are going really well for him this camp. So for me, it's going to be, let's see what the offense looks like with him at the helm. It's not going to look exactly like Zach, but Jaron brings an athleticism that is somewhat close to some of the things that Zach did. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. While Jed Fish, University of Arizona football coach, was discussing how he's going to turn the Wildcats around. Brian Dunseth was tweeting that there has been a coaching change at Real Salt Lake. Dunny joins us now. Dunny, good morning. My man, I like the radio voice. I like the DJ radio <laughs> voice. Right Great intro. Great intro. <laughs> I learned it from watching oh, you, all right? Man, I've been dealing with 20 years. It wears off after a while. <laughs> There you go, PK. It's just like wah 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 when you wah, 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 wah. All right, so uh what happened? Six points out of nine on the week. It didn't seem like a terrible week. There have been worse weeks and it's awfully late in the week to have a coaching change. There's got to be more than meets the eye here. What's happened? Yeah. Um well what's what's happened is there's been a decision made between obviously the head coach in Freddie Juarez, or the former head coach in Freddie Juarez, and the club. You know, the speculation is going to continue to be out there. I would expect uh, there to be more clarity on Freddie's end at the end of the weekend by the time we kick off in Vancouver, if uh, if more information at that point hasn't come out publicly. Um, but the reality is something that you and I have talked about. Um, I think what makes this a, a really odd situation is that you are finding Real Salt Lake making moves without an owner in play. Um, obviously, Deloitte Hansen is no longer the owner. Uh, the fact that the club itself is being managed or at least overseen by Major League Soccer to give final approval over all of these decisions. Um, and something that, DJ, you and I have been talking about, the opportunity of this group in particular and what Elliot Fall, Tony Beltran, and to a certain extent, Kurt Schmidt have done with this group of players and the fact that there's so much hope, this is a playoff team. And when we assess it from the outside, I think when you assess it internally, you're looking at a club that while in a playoff spot, I think everyone feels like could do better. I mean, it's something that you and I talked about last night on Talking Real. When you look at the, when you look at the standings in the Western Conference where Real Salt Lake is, yeah, it's perfectly acceptable. You're in a playoff spot. But then you look at the goal differential and you look at the teams above them with more points a zero goal differential, a negative one goal differential. These are these are these are managing minutes and the end of matches that have come up short. And whether we want to talk about the players, which ultimately they hold the accountability, or you're talking about the inability to affect positive change with the substitutions available and the tactics. And DJ, something you and I were talking about even last weekend in Colorado, how Robin Frazier 
switched his formation the moment they got the game time goal and four minutes later, five minutes later, they get the game winning goal. Um, I think there's, there was questions. There was questions about the future. Uh, and, and just for clarity, Freddie Juarez was in the final four months of his deal. Um, so I think there was an option on the side of Real Salt Lake. I don't think that option would have been extended. Um, and hey, by the way, we're, we're waiting for some type of official word, word uh, from Major League Soccer that ownership is effectively officially changing hands to whatever individual or group um, you know that's just around the corner. So a lot of moving parts, but in terms of the timing, yeah, I was uh, down in LA when I first got a little bit of a sniff that there could be uh, change affected here at Rio Tinto Stadium. So they elevate Pablo Mastrini from assistant coach. I don't know that if he's going to be an interim coach, if he's going to be in contention for the head coaching job, but I do believe he should receive a lifetime contract to be the head coach of RSL for as long as he wants, and there is simply one reason. Now, he was born, I believe, in Argentina. His birthday's coming up this weekend, by the way. It's the 29th. He'll be 45. (laughs) And at age four, he moved to Phoenix, and he attended Thunderbird High School in oh, Phoenix. <laughs> and, Dunny, there is one famous person that you know very, very well. He's at the top of his game who attended Thunderbird High School, and that would be PK. Oh, I love it. I love it. I well, so I'm in the same company as well because Mark McGuire went to my high school. Oh, there I just you go. don't have his wallet. So I, 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 love the, uh, I love the train of thought there. Listen, Pablo, um, just to be clear, you know, Pablo, uh, former teammate of mine at, uh, at uh, I almost said Inter Miami, Miami Fusion, back when it was a champagne life on a beer budget for the previous ownership group in Miami. And I can tell you as a competitor, as a teammate, there's, the guy you hate and the guy you love. And the guy you hated was because secretly you loved him and you wanted to play alongside of him and you respected the way he played the game. I am a huge advocate of Pablo Mastrani. And I think from his time of retirement to stepping on the field as a, as an interim head coach to getting the job at the Colorado Rapids to subsequently um, being unceremoniously let go. Um, I was always wondering what his next move would be. Now, he spent last year down with Tab Ramos uh, and Omid Namazi uh, in Houston. I don't think that relationship, that working relationship worked out, hence the move to Salt Lake. I think he made Freddie better. No disrespect to Tyrone Marshall, who had taken the job out at FC Cincinnati as the U19 head coach. Uh, But Pablo, it's kind of like, and, and I knew this was, I know RSL didn't want to think about it this way, but for us, PK, the same way DJ and I looked at Mike Pecky being hired for the Real Monarchs the moment that Jeff Kassar was still the head coach, yeah, it's that, that feeling of uh, it was inevitable that at some point, if a change was made, well, that's why you brought Pablo in, because you have a ready-made head coach. Now, what I've been told is that there are multiple candidates. Um, there is more than what you have on your at least one hand um, that the coaching search is underway. Pablo, it will be the interim right now, and Pablo will be interviewed for the job. Um, the job is not 100% his. They are going to look at a bunch of different candidates, and if Pablo is the best candidate, then obviously he will be the front runner. He already has the end. He knows the club. The club knows him. They know his personality. He has a he has a head coaching resume already. 
So that makes all the sense in the world. Um, but again, I've been told that this club is going to do its due diligence and make the right decision for the future of the club, which is something underneath previous ownership. Um, this will be interesting to watch because PK and DJ, as we know, it's never been the best candidate that's been hired for Real Salt Lake since the departure of Jason Christ. It's always been financially the cheapest and the easiest hire for Deloy Hansen. It's Jeff Kassar when you could have had Robin Frazier. Mike Pecky when you could have had Giovanni Savarese or Josh Wolf. Uh, Freddie Juarez because he was underneath the umbrella and he'd been with the club and he deserved, you know, some would say the opportunity. Um, but Freddie was an ex- exquisite developer um, and assistant coach. So it's a, it's a big chance. It's a big chance for Real Salt Lake, uh, Elliot Fall, everybody, Rob Zarcos, Kurt Schmidt, Tony Beltran, everyone behind the scenes to choose what could be uh, one of the most important decisions outside of what a new owner looks like for the club. So you're talking to two guys who have gone on and on on both the college and the pro level, uh, football, basketball, it applies to soccer too, Denny. So Jason Christ takes him to the MLS Cup for the second time. They lose on that marathon penalty shootout in Kansas City. He flies back into town, walks past the media at the airport, doesn't talk to anybody, quits, takes the uh, job at New York City FC. That is December of 2013. So essentially since the 2014 season started, and we're going to seven years here, this is going to be the fourth head coach and we're on the third general manager there has got to be some stability. This constant turnover isn't helping. Hmm. Reaction. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, but, I mean, let, let's pull back the curtain. Under previous ownership, the, the, the drama that surrounded this club internally, externally, um, <laughs> was, was pretty evident for anybody that's been around the team and for anybody that covered the team. See, yeah, there, there's... The departure of Mike Pecky and Craig Weibel, uh, underneath previous ownership, they more than kicked the tires with the return of Jason Price. Um, at that point, it was deemed too much money. They decided to go in. I uh, think that after everything had transpired, and by the way, today is a year ago that the way went on air, um, and that basically. You're breaking up, Dunny. We're missing large parts of this. I don't know if you're not by a window anymore or what, but we've lost you. All right. Well, we've lost Dunny there. Yaku. Did I lose you? Yes, no, you you're did. Back, you're back now. Oh. You're back now. So, um, just with building this roster without having somebody's thumb on them all the time, I think speaks volumes to what they're capable of doing. So, yes, you're right. At the end of the day, you got to get this. You got to get this next coaching decision right. Um, and there's a bunch of options. Um, there's a bunch of options there's a book available. You can look for kind of the grizzly. Well, Dunny's dropping. I've had this conversation with him off the air. We can talk a little bit uh, about that. Um, we got to pay to play, man. You, come on. You're going to be in it to win it, or what? Yes, exactly. And, and Dominic Kinnear is out there, and he's a huge. So that bugs me. He's a huge Dom Kinnear fan, and and the guy they really miss, I think, in all of this 
is a Miskarth Lagerway. And I've heard third hand, I've not spoken to him about this, but I've heard third hand that he loves it here. I think he wants to be um, a higher level executive. If I were so the new owner, back? if I were the new owner, that is the first call I would make. And I would do whatever it took to get him back here. And the amount of t- times his team... Whatever? Said, if I had to make him president of the organization, I would. If I had to make him a million-dollar employee, I would. Wow. That's an endorsement. You look at who's gone to the MLS Cup final since he took RSL there in 2009, and he built it from the ground up. It was all his guys. He turned over the whole roster, the whole bit. He Basically, his team goes every other year. The only other person who comes close to that level of success is Bruce Arena, and you can't get him. He's in Boston now. He's working for uh, the, the Patriots on the MLS team there, the Revolution. And you can't get Bruce Arena. I'd go get Garth. And I say, Garth, win. And you're right. You can't go cheap. The, everybody in the league is spending more money, and it is improving. Now, that doesn't mean it's the best. It's a long way. It's generations to the top leagues in Europe. But it is getting better, and people well, are spending yeah, that, more money. Yeah, that doesn't matter where, it's, where it falls. You're, you're in this league, and you want to win. Right. So it doesn't matter what league and you're who, in, you want to win. Who, who wins in this league? Right. You're looking at 12 years, and Garth Lagerwey's teams, he had two RSL teams go to the MLS Cup Final. He's had four teams in Seattle, and they're in first place. And he's done it spending a lot of money. He's done it spending less money. There's something he gets that other people aren't getting. He's going every other year, and everybody else is splitting up the rest of the trips. Now, it's easy and for me to pop off about money, but it still, is. You, you've got to be in the ballpark anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, Pablo comes with a heck of a resume himself. He was RSL won in 2009, Colorado won in 2010, and that's him. <laughs> He's right in the – go look at the pictures of Colorado that year. He's right in the middle of everything, you know. So, anyway. How about right. that? Went to the same high school. That That's crazy. It is, it is crazy. I was trying to think of a jersey tie. And I mean, I kind of know his resume, but I don't have his whole resume. And I'm going through it. I'm like, I don't see a jersey thing. I was blinded to Arizona. <laughs> the same high school. We got to get him on, Yuck. Has he got a personality? Pablo? Yeah. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah. And he's, he's super nice. I well, we went and introduced also. myself the first time. There's not so, a lot of contact now. You know, we can't go to a train. Yeah, yeah. We can't talk. It's... Is what we're seeing with other teams. one point on this, though. Teams. Pablo rose to prominence playing for a certain club that's just the other side of the Rockies. That well, there was that whole dust-up for people I'm who just, remember where I'm just a, saying, a Colorado Mike, player got into it with RSL's so, owner, Dave Cheggetts, the remember, player. I remember. It was Pablo. To, to, well, to have him <laughs> coaching. It's hilarious. And Chris Burgess got into it at Roger Reed. I know. I, know, I, know, I, I get it. I, think, I get it. But it's just go by. I think it's hilarious. And he. I guess probably to his credit, it's not his favorite topic now. It's not what he wants to go back and revisit. No, we'll There's talk about days at... On 19th <laughs> Avenue, man. We talk about where he used to hang out. The Jack in the Box was where we would go, to, you know, just hang out, meet the chicks. I mean, there's a little age gap, but still, the Jack in the Box <laughs> is still there. I can talk to him about playing baseball just right by the football field, over by the racquetball courts. I mean, come on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. Boys, I can't wait. I really... We are boys. Okay. We both went to Thunderbird. There's a little part of me that does want to hear about the racquetball courts and Jack in the Box. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. 
Feedback of the day brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Chappie at It's Chappie tweets at us, Here's why BYU should go to the Big 12. The remaining eight schools will do whatever they can to remain in a power conference. The updated Big 12 only has to be better than the American Athletic and Mountain West Conference. Poaching those conference top teams and BYU makes the new Big 12 much better than those two leagues. I don't give a crap about that. I want to talk about soccer. <laughs> Since when? Since right now. He's making this up. <laughs> Mastroni, man, with the Thunderbird. If you missed it, RSL and Freddie Warren's have parted ways. Brian Dunseth had it first, apparently, and now the club has sent out a, an email, a press release, Announcing it, parting ways with Freddie Juarez and Pablo Mastroeni, the assistant coach, will take over on an interim basis. No, no. I'm a segment a day until he gets the gig. <laughs> You're going to go up and sit on a billboard? You're going to be on a billboard at the 90th South off-ramp. <laughs> He's one of my own. I'm buying like 10 season tickets if they hire him. Give him the full-time gig. He went to Thunderbird. I don't believe you. He's my guy. How about that, man? Fish in the prior segment goes to my sister's high school in Jersey. So you hear Pablo's 2, name. 2,500 miles west, this you, connection. You hear Pablo's name. You don't know. You just click on the, on the old interwebs, hit Wikipedia. You see Thunder, Thunderbird Eye, and you just about lose it. Jackpot! <laughs> <laughs> and I told a little back, back story in the commercial break. I told Yaka DJ, oh, you are going to love this. <laughs> we got a connection. Okay, and as soon as you said that, both DJ and I immediately Okay, we just had Jed Fish. He was talking New Jersey. There's got to be a tie to Jersey. No. Did not cross my mind that Arizona would enter the conversation, but there we are. And the same friggin' high school. How about that? It's fascinating. <laughs> I was meant to be there at this job. <laughs> <laughs> the hits just keep on coming. I got a friend in town who I played ball with lives here. I just texted him. <laughs> let him let him share the good news. <laughs> well, uh, I just got a, uh, a text from a friend who's a, uh, a big RSL fan, and he says here, he says, uh, I wonder if we get to see the real Pablo now on the sideline, not subdued assistant Pablo. <laughs> well, yeah, assistants have to be curtailed. Got to dial it down. And he's it's not a, their job. He's right? a fiery dude, so. Well, okay, uh, yes, he's but a fiery... not like Petke. Probably not, I would think. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. He took was it too over, far. He, he took it too far. He was over the top. Yeah. And, and also, uh, having talked to Pablo, you know, it's one of those classic, you love that Rick Berry quote that's 50 years oh, old yeah, and yeah, stands yeah, yeah. the test of time. Well, yeah, in the, when the 90 minutes are up on the clock, and yeah, he's fiery then. But talking to him after a training session, he's a mild-mannered guy. Hey, good to meet you. Right. Blah, 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 and that's the way yeah. a lot of people are. The only one that I didn't see do that was Dave Christensen. Yeah. He was psycho at all <laughs> <He> times. Was, <laughs> right. Even Pecky could dial it back. Yeah. And I rooted for him for the Jersey connection. Absolutely. But yeah, now, I now I got a brother. <laughs> You'll trade Jersey for Thunderbird High? <laughs> yeah, man. I went there all four years. Okay, but when the new owner comes in, you just got to slow down on the turnover. Oh, I agree. We've talked about that Yikes. endlessly. Yikes. Christ leaves at the end of 2013, and he had a good run, and he had an offer he really wanted. So that's fine. That's the kind of transition that is acceptable and understandable. 
Well, yeah, but this four, is Sacramento Kings here. Four coaches what do you expect? and three GMs. Duh. It just can't. It's just you're not going to be successful. It, yeah, well, I'm going to get I'm going to get heavily, more, I'm going to get heavily involved now. They've had more success than the Kings, but they haven't had the success the fan base wants. The fan base got spoiled with that run and wants some more of that. In five years there, where they were and we deserve out it. Fifty point seasons and, and three we're going to get the conference it now. Finals. Two words: Pablo, Pablo, Pablo. Let the champ begin. <laughs> One word, but who's counting? <laughs> now back to the Cougars to the Big Twelve. Yes, we are hearing from uh, from fans. Ude fans are uh, mocking. Uh, Cougar fans are somewhat uh, <laughs> fired up. Uh, Brett at BYU San Francisco Giants fan. They still remain a conference that retains autonomy rights. I don't know what this truly means, but it seems important. LOL. They're one of the autonomy five. Are they getting kicked out? Participation Mm. trophy at Cycling Ute 22 says, as an observer, I love this stuff. And he's got the guy grabbing popcorn and leaning back on the sofa and popping in his mouth while he watches the show. Oh, yeah, we've heard, we've seen that one. Yeah, right. That's a common one. Be it far from me to drag us back to soccer for a moment. No, no. We're now the soccer station. Move aside, tennis. But PK was talking earlier this morning about Cristiano Ronaldo and going back to Man U. Both DJ and I were like, well, it's Man City. Well, it's official. He's going back to Manchester United. So congratulations to you. Man U swooped in? It's official. I try to tell you guys, I was soccer before he thought he could make money (laughs) off of soccer. You are a savant. He's full of crap. I go back to high school soccer in Arizona in the 80s. You are full of crap, too, though. So I don't want to hear it. I just do it because you railroaded and steamrolled and pushed aside several human beings to get what you want, or so I've been told. So I've been told. Out of air. Tom. <laughs> Tom Hagen, I don't think I can read your tweet, but that is hilarious. You can go to uh, you can go to my Twitter feed. Yak is clapping like a seal. About what? Okay, so Brian Dunstan tweets out <laughs> and says, uh, "At Real Salt Lake and head coach Freddie Warriors have parted ways effective immediately. Pablo Mastroni will coach the team in Vancouver on an interim basis. Search for a new head coach is already underway." I quote tweeted and said, Dunny joins DJ and PK next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And Tom Hagen tweeted, I'll listen, comma, until the uh, uh, specific ad of the morning. <laughs> specific what? Specific ad of the morning. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, yeah, I got something to share with you, too, after that. Uh, Tom, that was hilarious. You can go read it on Twitter, but if I start talking about it on the air, we'll have a meeting, and it's Friday, and nobody wants that. All right, coming up next. Hands and Scotty, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.